Wars All In is a community of fans for all things Star Wars. We want to share our fandom with you, and we'd love for you to share yours with us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Star Wars All In. Also, search on Facebook to join in the conversation with our private group. We would love to hear from you. Galaxy, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details of the galaxy far, far away, one topic at a time. Hello, I'm your host, Mac, and I'm joined by always by my spooky friend, Ross. Mac, I am so excited to talk about spooky Star Wars. Well, it's kind of a spooky time, because mm-hmm. as we record this, we are on the eve of Halloween here in North America, Yes, and we are also dealing with, this is our 13th episode. Oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't even put that together. It's so this spooky. It's the spookiest episode. And we talk about some spooky stuff. How, we should have done 13 topics. Oh, well, we, that we <laughs> Would you like a 13-hour episode? No. No, no? We, okay. Uh, you, you can just string them together, binge them. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to record 13 yeah. hours. We're show. never going to do like part one, part two. I shouldn't say but, never, but... We're going to always try and keep it in one episode. We're so. going to try to keep it in contains, but we are going to do new things from time to time, including, <gasps> Ross, you have a special announcement for what I know. A special announcement. I do have a special announcement. So in honor of doing our new, well, I should say our first book review here on Star Wars we, All In, yeah. which you'll hear about in just a moment, we have one little announcement to make. So one of the things we're going to be doing over the next couple of months as we get through the spooky season and into the holiday season is we're going to be doing some giveaways. Now, these giveaways will be a mix. There'll be a mix of things we've bought to give away. There'll yep. be a mix of things that um, are maybe older and a little bit more, um, shall we say, harder to come by from my personal collection that I'm actually going to be giving away as part of the podcast. Some treasures from the vault. Yeah. So just some things that they deserve a better Star Wars home than they're getting. And we want to share that. So, for example, and you know, they're from Ross, so they're in pristine condition. Yes. So if you followed our Twitter um, a, about a week ago, uh, there was a, a special edition of a Rise of Skywalker magazine. Uh, that's a partnership between. Um, oh, boy, it's slipping my mind right now. But if you saw it, we tweeted about it. We're going to be giving one of those away as soon as we have it in hand. That's supposed to be here next month. But I figured we'd kick it off now instead of waiting for that as our first giveaway. Since we're doing our first book review, I've got a book to give away. Now, this is a hardcover copy, first edition of the Star Wars Revenge of the Sith novelization. And if you do not know, this novelization is, in my opinion, the best Star Wars book. Not just the best Star Wars novelization, but the best Star Wars Wars book. book. Because it is a George Lucas story written incredibly well by a great author, Matthew Stover. Okay? Okay. This novel is a really weird history because it came out before the movie. You could go into a Barnes & Noble and totally (laughs) spoil the whole thing for you. And for some reason, as 14-year-old Ross uh, decided, he did. He spoiled (laughs) the whole movie because he read the novel first. And I will tell you, the novel is better than the movie. 
Now that's wow. someone who's a novel lover. Well, that's the book someone is who is a better. Star and you Wars read the lover. book first. So. That's true. I did. Jesus, you're making me sound bad. Um, but seriously, this is a great novel. If you don't have it, you've never read it. I highly recommend it. So here's what we're gonna do because okay. I want to get this into another Star Wars friend's home. So. When this episode comes out on Wednesday, which if you're listening to this on launch day, you'll know, we're going to post this on our Twitter and our Instagram. Mm -hmm. We're going to have some stipulations and they're going to be real easy. It's going to be something like follow us and retweet us, right? Something real simple. Not going to be anything crazy. We're not trying to steal all your info here and learn everything about you. Really simple. But we're going to give this book away to one of our Star Wars fans and uh, the contest is going to run for a week. Basically, okay. episode to episode. So when episode 13 comes out, the contest will start. We will announce the winner on episode 14. So the contest will basically end the day before because we need to have time to record the intro. <laughs> but basically, so for six days, we'll run this. You can learn all about it on our social media. But if you're hearing this, keep an eye out for it if you'd like this book or if you know anyone who would because it's in great shape. It yep. is new, um, but it has been in storage. I would so say it's, it's got a few it's, little it's, nicks. It's, like new, it has yeah. shelfware. Yeah, it has shelfware. That is the absolute best way to put it. It is a first edition. It has and the dust honest, jacket. The only shelfware is just a little bit of beading on the uh, the edges of the dust cover. It's literally exactly what you'd expect when a book is sitting on a shelf for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, it's great. Because that's what it is. It wasn't you know packed up or anything like that. Uh, it's just literally been on my shelf. I have a few copies of it, and I would love for a Star Wars friend to have a copy of so this. So we're going to give you a week to reach out to yeah. us, connect with us, and we might give you a free book. How cool is that? Yeah, shipping and everything. So we'll send it to you. Um, so just keep your eyes out if you follow us on social media. And if you don't, search Star Wars All In on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you will be able to see this. Yeah. So Actually, we probably won't put anything on Facebook for this. Still go there, but Twitter and Instagram is where we'll do this giveaway. <laughs> it's all good. We, we're excited to see you connect with us. But... Yeah. Let's get into our spooky, spooktacular. No, I'm not going to call it a spooktacular. But let's get into this spooky episode in line with the season, <laughs> with the 13. And here we are on when we record this and when we're presenting this is Halloween Eve. Yeah, this will come out on October 30th. Uh, we're excited to show two kind of spooky things. We have our first topic, which is Force Ghosts. Stick around for this one because I think it's pretty darn cool. It's going to be a pretty... We're, we're going to probably talk about that one for a while. I think it's going to be probably at least an hour. Yeah. And then, like you mentioned, in honor of like having your books and stuff, I picked a book that is <laughs> a spooky book. It's it Star is. Wars, one of the only Star Wars horror novels. Yes. Which is called Death Troopers. Yes. By Joe Schreiber. And uh, I'm excited to present it because it's such an interesting twist on Star Wars because it's all about... Death and gore and mm -hmm. horror. And, and it dread. is gory. It is very gory. Yeah. It is dreadful. <laughs> so stick around for that. We'll probably be talking about that for a while too, at least probably an hour there yeah. as well. And that'll be our two topics today. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be extra spooky, get you in the spooky mood. So pull up your Kit Kats, your candy corn, your, your assorted Reese's <laughs> pumpkin shaped things. Get that uh, popcorn ball. Yeah. What else do people eat on Halloween? Kettle Huggies? Corn? Like a little like juice, oh, yeah. juice barrels. Apples? Uh, Maybe you're that person you giving away apple? quarters, someone like non on a quarter. I go around and get for UNICEF. I don't mm -hmm. know what you do. You know, our first year here, we gave out full size candy bars because we didn't want anyone to egg us. Smart. And luckily, it hasn't happened yet. But I, guess, I, think I mean, this year, you're back. just going to turn the porch lights off. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be working, I think, so I won't be <laughs> That's here. That's where I'll be, too. Yeah. All uh, right. <laughs> so uh, 
enjoy this spooky, fun look at ghosts and zombies as we walk into the Star Wars universe. Heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, hmm. but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> We are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Run, Luke, run. That's the first time we ever hear a Force ghost in Star Wars. Auditory hallucinations mm. only. <laughs> Caused by stress well, of seeing your friend and mentor beheaded uh, and then being shot at by the army. That's well, enough to cause hallucinations, well, I think. Well, yeah, but but see your mentor disappear. Is he a ghost then? Did he turn like incorporeal I mean, right then? I mean, that's the thing, right? That's what's in canon now is he just kind of Well, uh, the biggest disappears. thing is there's other people who, you know, like they fade. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, out. <laughs> he, just gone. He was just so strongly connected and so ready to become a force ghost. That he was just like, oh, and you can see with that smile, he's like, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and dude, he did. Dude, I've been spending 20 years getting ready for this. I'm ready. <laughs> so we are going to talk about Force Ghosts in Star Wars. Now, I think this is one of the most interesting things in Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. a way for you to have knowledge and wisdom from a character who cannot, literally cannot impact Mm -hmm. what's going on around them. And I find that very interesting. Um, I also find it very interesting because Obi-Wan was my first character I fell in love with from Star Wars. Well, sorry, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Obi-Wan was the first hero I fell in love with Um, when I watched A New Hope for the first time. You know, he was the one, even though I saw Empire first and I really loved Empire and I, you know, that movie got me hooked on Vader. Yep. But then episode four got me hooked on Obi-Wan when I saw that. And he became the character I was really drawn to, even as a, you know, brand new young Star Wars fan. And so when we see Obi-Wan as this sort of floating body on Hoth, which was my first experience with him, like, what is this? Like, I had no concept for what had happened in episode four. Holy crap, there's this hologram talking to him. Yeah, it's just like this guy floating in the middle of a snowstorm. Is he hallucinating? Is I mean, he knows who he is, but like, what is happening? And And to me, that drew me in. I found that so interesting. And just a premise that's kind of weird for us is like, there is an easy interpretation in episode four that that's just Luke's internal voice. Yes. That it doesn't have to be this reincarnation of obi-wan mm-hmm. it could just literally be like run luke run it's like oh obi-wan would have wanted me to survive he would have wanted me to trust yeah. my instincts and turn my tur- targeting yeah. computer off especially it's all auditory especially seeing it for the first time in 77 and not having any context oh, yeah. for what's happening there's no monologue about oh obi-wan is one with the force now and he can talk to me and it's when we see in you know uh empire strikes back we get this idea of 
oh, he has a form. He's this sparkly blue thing. And then more importantly, it is definitely, while Luke is like out of his mind, so maybe he's hallucinating, Obi-Wan gives him new information he does not know. Ergo, Obi-Wan is a force in the universe. It is speaking to him. Now, maybe the ghost is hallucination. He's just speaking to Luke's mind, and Luke's mind is making this shimmery person. But he says, seek Yoda. Go seek Yoda. Mm -hmm. And there's no way for Luke to know that. Correct. We know that by the time we get to Empire Strikes Back, this force ghost is affecting our characters in the real world in some way. So we both like force ghosts. You know, they're... uh, you know, a particularly spooky part of Star Wars, so we thought we'd yes. include them in this episode. So let's go through some of the most important Force Ghost moments in canon. Sure. Okay, sound good? So I have done some meticulous research to make hey, sure a lot of notes. I had all of the dialogue spoken by Force Ghost in okay. Star Wars film. So okay. we could really break it down, okay? So because let's catch we, up. We started a little bit up to Ha, so let's, let's catch up what we heard in episode yeah. four. So, well, let's start actually in episode three. With our first oh, okay, mention of go. Force Ghosts, okay? okay? So I have titled all of Wait, these. Wait, is it? It is. We're going to talk about why. Okay. So let's start with our... I've named all of these. So we're going to call this one an old friend. So this happens okay. at the end of episode three when Yoda, Bale, and Obi-Wan are talking about what to do with the twins. Yes. Right? Uh, my wife and I have always talked about adopting a little girl. So Bale takes Leia off to Alderaan. Obi-Wan takes tat, uh, Luke to Tatooine, and as they split, they break to go about on their mission until the time is right. Yep. Uh, Obi-Wan is held back by Yoda, and okay. Yoda says, while in exile, or, you know, in your solitude, I think he says on Tatooine, uh, wait, I have it. How about I just read it? <laughs> Rather than yeah, trying you to wrote remember, all the right? sound. Use it. In your solitude on Tatooine, training I have for you. An, an old friend has learned the path to immortality. One who has returned from the netherworld of the Force. Mm-hmm. How to commune with him, I will teach you. And then they have this big moment of, Qui-Gon? What? Qui-Gon is alive? Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up is not only is it the first time we kind of learn of Force ghosts in canon in film, right? Now, film, yeah. it, chronology of the films, obviously not release order, right? But it's the first time our heroes learn about force ghost and since obi-wan is the first person we see becoming a force ghost we essentially have to assume this is a big moment for him because he's learning that this is going to be a possibility right well he well, learns the, he's going to be the able possibility to possibility of him reconnecting with his master yes and the possibility of through that yes gaining not immortality but mm-hmm. gaining this ability to yeah. stay connected to his yeah. friends and the force even in this exile yes okay so the reason I wanted to talk about this so much, and I just had one other idea. Okay. So I'm going to write this down real quick for later in the episode so I don't forget. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good enough. Well, okay. So the reason I bring this up is there's an incredibly interesting story in a book that I really love that we've talked about in the podcast before called From a Certain Point of View. I think if we've recommended one book that you have to read, it's this one. Uh-huh. This one's great. Uh, well, if you like A New Hope, this one's great. A Certain Point of View is a book that is written by 40 different authors for the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. Yep. And it is the original Star Wars A New Hope, episode four, yep. broken down into 40 chapters. Yep. And the 40 different chapters tell the story of A New Hope one bit at a time, but from a different perspective. So uh, part of one of the scenes is Obi-Wan is having a conversation with Gwygon. 
And he's not sure if he's ready to go about his journey. He knows. Obi-Wan has seen through this connection that he's developed with Gwygon and this sort of immortal side of the Force. He knows when he's going to die. He knows when his end is coming. Well, he yeah, he knows his life is drawing to a close. That the journey he's going to help this boy on yes. is going to lead to his demise. Yes. And he's fretting about, oh, I don't know if I can leave Luke on his own. I don't know if I can do this. So the way I interpret this moment is a Jedi who is this connected. So Yoda, Obi-Wan, uh, and eventually Luke know their destiny, know when they are going to die. Or, or what do you think about that? capable of learning it. Okay. I would put it as are capable of learning it. Okay. So do you you think this? Because this is no, this is speculation on my part. This is not well, something that's I necessarily is, official. Is, for, let's put it this way. Obi-Wan was prepared for his death even in 77 because he says that if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you are. Now, we didn't yes. necessarily know he was channeling a force technique he had prepared for, right? We just knew that he was ready of like, if you kill me, I will be a symbol for this boy and I will live on in his mind in a yes. way that you can't kill. Right. Yes. And like I said, in 77, you might have thought it was the voice in his head and it's still true. But now we know that Obi-Wan became a ghost mm-hmm. and that that he literally knew that as a symbol, as a mentor in the force, he will lead Luke on the path to the destruction of Vader. Um, So I think that's reasonable that it's in his destiny. I mean, I don't know if Obi-Wan realized that he was going to meet his old apprentice and that he was going to go to this hangar bay and he was going to have a lightsaber duel that was going to end with him turning into nothing. Like, I don't know if it was that specific, but that's because, in my opinion, the only force visions we've ever seen on film are sporadic and chaotic, whether it's um, Anakin seeing the death of his mother, Mm -hmm. Anakin seeing the death of Padme, and you know, Luke, um, you know, seeing the fever dream with Vader underneath the tree, or if it was a force vision, Ray's stuff in episode seven, where she's flashing through the history of this lightsaber. Yeah. Like it's all chaotic and sporadic. And I don't think it ever gives a clear picture. I would agree. Now, one thing I do, I do have to correct you on one thing because I'm confused. Mm. You mentioned that episode three is the first mention of ghosts, but it's not the first ghost in canon because in episode two we already know Qui-Gon's a ghost because he reaches out to Anakin at the Tuscan Raider camp he screams yeah. out Anakin no like it's in the mix of the sound yeah it is it a hundred percent is now it's kind of weird because we're pretty sure it's just a Liam Neeson thing that was recorded for episode one that they used yeah but so... I feel that that's what sets up the fact of how Yoda knows that Qui-Gon has survived. Because I think that event at the Tusken Raider, maybe it didn't yank him out of the nether realm into now, but it's what caused him to have enough energy to start reaching out. I mean, it is there, right? The dialogue is there. So yeah, I think that's at least a reasonable enough theory is that Mm -hmm. that was a force ghost. I guess the question is... At least as much as Obi-Wan is in the immediate after mm -hmm. events of episode four. I guess what it comes down to is in episode four, we see Obi-Wan Luke. We see Luke hear him visually. We see that happen. We don't see that with Anakin. Well, cause that's cause Anakin's mid mid swing killing children and dogs. So he's yeah. a little busy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I guess my whole thing is like, we know that force ghosts can become auditory mm-hmm. and that's one of the only other times we hear that. And we also know that they become visual because catching back up to kind of where we were like after 
Obi-Wan returns to Luke's vision, because as far as we know, and I don't know if there's anything in Canada to really challenge it too much, Obi-Wan is very intermittent in talking to Luke in between four and five. I think five is the first time where Luke gets like a concrete, like, oh, Ben, mm-hmm. Ben, I've needed you. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I mean, in Canon now I have your journal, but like, I didn't have that in 1980. And I really needed your guidance because there's literally nothing between these two movies because that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> New, so, the EU doesn't exist yet, Obi-Wan. Okay. So we, oh boy. Well, I'm just saying, so like, we, have, we definitely yeah. get a feeling that this is Luke reconnecting with his mentor in a very important yeah. way. And like I said, I think by the time you get towards the middle of Empire. Well, Hold on. Let's talk about everything in A New Hope first. Oh, sure, sure. Because we, sorry, we missed sorry, a sorry. few. So let's hold on. Let's let's go through in the order that they appear for Luke. So Obi-Wan is struck down on the Death Star. Yes. Right, right outside the hangar. And he Luke hears him for the first time. Run, Luke, run. Right? Yep. Later on, while Luke is attempting the trench run, we do hear Obi-Wan say probably the most classic Force Ghost line. In fact, we took a poll on our Twitter. And this was definitely the one that was favored uh, uh, very close between this and the episode eight, uh, you know, failure lesson, which we'll talk about later. But basically, this is probably the most iconic force ghost moment, I would say. Um, I really thought it was going to be the end of episode six, but we'll talk about that. Okay, we'll get to it. So uh, we hear, you know, Obi-Wan say, use the force, Luke. Use the force, Luke. And then he repeats himself, uh, you know, let go, Luke. Luke, trust me. Remember, Luke, the force will be with you always after he makes the shot. So basically <laughs> just targeting computers. Everything fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just fine. hearing this. My dead mentor talk in my head the about voices not in my head it. are going to guide my shot. Yeah. <laughs> and as they all just kind of look around like, uh, maybe we shouldn't have picked him to go. Uh, wait, up wait, wait, there. wait. I'm sorry, Princess. Where did you say you get this kid again? <laughs> I, he was a stormtrooper. He broke me out. I don't know. Yeah, everybody else in Red Squadron's dead. So yeah. hopefully he survives. <laughs> He's definitely not my brother. I know that. Huh, that would be weird. Yeah. I, yeah. So we have basically the end of episode four. We don't hear anything else from Obi-Wan. We get to episode five, Empire Strikes Back. And basically after Luke is mauled by the Wampa and, and uh, takes his arm off, he makes his way out of the ice cave on Hoth. Yep. And right before he passes out, he sees a vision of Ben. And Ben basically tells him, Luke, you will go to the Dagobah system. There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. And this is pretty big because we didn't think any more Jedi were left. Nope. Right? We thought it was Luke and what little he knew and that was it. And this is the first time we see Obi-Wan's body. So this is basically like from a waist up. Okay. So we see part of him. He's like, it would be as if he's standing in that Mm snowbank. So it's only whatever would be above that. But of course, he's just in his Jedi robes. He looks like we saw him last. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we get to Dagobah eventually, mm-hmm. and after Yoda finishes his whole bit, uh, he basically has a conversation with Obi-Wan where, you know, Yoda basically goes, I cannot teach him. Uh, he is not, you know, ready. And Obi-Wan goes, oh, he will learn patience. Was I any different when you taught me? I mean, there's a few Yoda lines in between there, but well, the thing basically nice Yoda's is- trying to convince him and again we're back to auditory so maybe him seeing ben was a delusion we don't know Mm -hmm. yeah because he says oh he's reckless right anakin was reckless and uh obi-wan goes so was i if you remember oh we know i I mean i don't i we now know in the prequels yep see i wouldn't describe obi-wan as reckless i would describe obi-wan as completely the opposite remember utapal 
He like looks around. And he's like, well, I'll just take off my cape. Hello there, General Grievous. I see you have all of your troops. I have no plan, but I think I can do this. I don't know if I'd describe that as reckless. I, he rides a lizard to to freaking General Grievous's, and then just shows up. It's right, like, right, like let's right. go. What I mean by that is, I think the thing about Obi Wan is, when we think reckless, we think like Han Solo. He is mm-hmm. not that. But you can see the streak of the rebellious nature of Qui-Gon Jinn in Obi-Wan, whether it's Detective Obi-Wan in, in, you know, Attack of the Clones, whether it's, um, you know, him on his investigation on Geonosis, or whether it's, again, I think on Utapau, he's a crazy person in like a way that I'm like, you are really confident that you're going to improv your way out of this. That's amazing. (laughs) And like. You know, he's on a ledge and he shoots Grievous twice in the chest to catch his fire. And he's like, oh, so uncivilized. I'm like, you wild man. <laughs> you are not the ref- you are not the revered wise. I've always- You are not Yoda. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. He's not Yoda. No. So from Yoda's perspective, it's like, why Qui-Gon and uh, you and Dooku. Why can't I just have a normal kid? Who just follows the rules. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So we get through all. So I think we we learn that we learn that Obi-Wan was reckless. Right. Right. We we learn that Obi-Wan still has Luke's best interest at mind. Oh, Obi-Wan sees himself in Luke and doesn't think Luke is any worse than he Mm -hmm. was or Ahsoka or Anakin. Like, he's like, yeah, he's got rough edges, but you're Yoda. You can figure this out. Yeah. If anyone can do it, Yoda, you can, because you're literally our only option. So it has to work out. Yes. (laughs) So after the training has been going on, uh, Obi-Wan appears as a full spirit to Luke there in the Dagobah swamp. And there's a lot happening here. But basically, Luke has had a vision about his friends being in peril. And basically, he's trying to convince Yoda to let him go. Yoda's saying, no, no, stay and complete your training. And Obi-Wan says, yeah, you don't know that they're going to suffer. Even Yoda cannot see their fate. don't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a dangerous time, but you know, you cannot control what happens to them. This is a dangerous time for you. You'll be tempted by the dark side of the force. Now, one thing I want to say about this sequence is to me, as far as presentation goes, this is interesting because it stops being these impressions. He's a character and he's having this three way conversation up to this. It's still this kind of like piercing through like Mm -hmm. yeah he's responding to yoda but he's responding in a very like direct short and brief way Mm -hmm. this shows that obi-wan has the ability to be like just a present person Mm -hmm. and be involved in these conversations and this is also where we see yoda also sees ben as a blue sparkly space ghost um so we definitely know that this is he's physical he yeah. is not just a voice in people's heads. He is not a hallucination. He is it's not part a of living, the, breathing yeah. spirit. It's not Luke having PTSD from seeing his mentor <laughs> yes. cut down. Like, I mean, ultimately, right? That's what we're totally. saying here. So basically, Luke, oh, Obi-Wan is telling Luke that, listen, the Emperor wants you and your abilities. So that's why your friends are being tortured. Like, sorry, that's just the truth. That's what's happening. Right. So basically... I can't lose you the way I lost Vader. That's Obi's one whole motivation here. He is basically saying, I can't go through this again. You are our last hope. I know your destiny and I'm kind of sad about it because I can't, 
you need to do this, but you need to do it right because I've already tried to take a chosen one through and it didn't work <laughs> out last time. Yeah. And and that's basically the last thing he says other than his line to Yoda is that don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side because he knows he's going to have hate for killing him. Yeah. Right. And then after Luke takes off and the lights from the X-Wing have faded, Obi-Wan's faded away. You hear him say to Yoda, that, that boy, boy is our Romeo. last hope. And Yoda goes, of course, no, there is another. Setting us up for when we get back to Dagobah with our next moment of Force Ghosts in Return of the Jedi. Yes. So now we're on the scene that I'm just going to call Obi-Wan sits on a log. Well, real uh, quick, because that is the most unique thing. Immediately about it. before that, we also see where Force Ghosts come from because Yoda passes away. Oh, that's a good point. And in canon, this is our first time seeing it. And so, and so we see what happened to Obi-Wan, but in a much slower way where the blanket just sort of collapses as mm -hmm. he disappears away out of it. Yeah. Okay. Good point. So after uh, their little dialogue, Yoda passes into the yep. force and we don't hear from him again for a long time. Correct. But basically Yoda passes away. And as Luke is feeling sad, talking to R2 about, oh, I, I don't know if I can do this R2, um, you know, and, and at this point too, this is, Jedi Knight, or as we feel he is, even though now Yoda has just said, no, you're not a Jedi yet. This is Luke coming confidently into Jabba's palace, being this powerful man who can summon a blaster with the force and choke people out and use the mind trick. This is a different Luke than we've seen. And now, you know, one act later, here he is back to that farm boy. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm capable of doing this on my own right. without my leadership. And this is where Obi-Wan comes in. You know, Yoda will always be with you, right? Mm -hmm. Letting him know that it's not just Obi-Wan who uh, has His learned this His mentors will follow ability. him through the Force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is kind of a long one. So do you just want to go through all of it Let's and then we'll talk it. about it? Sure. So. This is a lot of exposition. This is where Luke is really learning the history of his father, not the hand wave of, oh, you know, what Owen will tell him or what Ben told him upon their first meeting. Right, because to this point, what we know is Anakin, Anakin was a spice uh, on a spice cruiser. And then Obi-Wan's like, no, he wasn't. He was a freaking Jedi Knight like me. Me. Oh, well, what happened to him? Oh, uh, well, um, he was betrayed by a pupil of mine, uh, Darth Vader, who are totally not the same people. Why'd you have that last part? No reason. <laughs> and this is where Obi-Wan kind of comes clean about mm -hmm. the man that was Luke's father. Yes. So let's talk about him. Okay. So your father was seduced by the, because Luke says, you know, why didn't you tell me? You know, why didn't you tell me that he was my father? Well, your father was seduced by the dark side of the force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I've told you is true. From a certain point, point of, of view. view. Man, Obi-Wan, you sneaky. <laughs> I mean, come well, on. Just but, but you do actually feel that. In that one line, it is a, oh, okay, like you truly believe this person's dead. It's coping with grief. And honestly, this is back to what we said earlier, we've said before about... It's great to have these other movies, these other books and comics that just supplement this because we got a trilogy of movies to essentially supplement this conversation. And to be honest with you, Mustafar in episode three. Yeah. I think they do a great job. They sell it. Of, of yeah. Anakin hurting his wife and betraying Obi-Wan and talking like a crazy person. And then they just have this really long drawn out fight mm -hmm. where 
any hope that Anakin mm-hmm. can, can be pulled back. Like he just keeps fighting like an insane person. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan's like, I, I can't believe this is happening. And yeah. at the end, when Anakin's burned alive, mm-hmm. crawling across the pedals, I can understand why Anakin, he picks up that lightsaber. He looks down and I'm like, I can't handle this. You cannot be the man I knew and yeah. turns his back on him and to let him die. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can. Let, and you know what? This is one of my favorite things in the revenge of the Sith novelization of Obi-Wan won't kill an, you know, an unarmed man. Yeah. This is a man. He's let the force do its will at right. this point. Right. He, and that's why that's the reasoning, you know, that we don't really see in the movie as well of, why he just didn't kill him? Why didn't he just take the lightsaber or force throw him into the lava? And you get or the, whatever. You get the impression that probably Obi Wan Kenobi hears about Darth Vader long before he makes the connection of oh that's still Anakin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, another reason for him to have this point of view. Now, one thing I really like about this scene in Episode Six here is this next little bit of dialogue. So. Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Anakin was a good friend. When I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot, but I was amazed how strongly the Force was with him. So, just in this little bit, we learned so much backstory about who Vader was, right? Yep. And not only that, I love that line of, you're going to find that what we cling to is based on what we see. Because that so perfectly sets up what happens to Luke in The Last Jedi. I agree. Right? That line... Well, I'm going to agree with you, yes. Yeah. That line is what Luke becomes, right? Luke has a point of view that puts him down the path he eventually takes for the rest of his life. The whole original trilogy is shaping Luke's point of view. Yes. Who we learn Luke is in episode four is very different than where we leave him in episode six. But people change and they grow throughout time. So we'll talk about that more in a minute when we get to the episode eight Force Ghost stuff. Sure. But let's finish this one out first. So uh, I took it upon myself to train him as a Jedi. I thought that I could instruct him just as well as Yoda. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. You cannot escape your destiny. You must face Darth Vader again. And then Luke goes on to say, no, <laughs> you know, no, I don't want to. I'm afraid, right? Well, then the Emperor has already won. won. Yeah. You were our only hope. The other he spoke of, you know, Luke asked, Yoda said there was another. He said there was another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other he spoke of is your twin sister. So now Obi-Wan's just being super forthcoming. Well, he sat down in a log. He's like, kid, it has been hard yeah. to be manifested here. <laughs> I just want to go to eternal sleep, so... Let's just lay it all out. You got a t- you got a, you got a twin sister. Who knew? I did. <laughs> <laughs> to protect you both from the emperor, you were hidden from your father when you were born. The emperor knew, as I did, that if Anakin had any offspring, they would be a threat to him. That is the reason why your sister remains safely anonymous. And then Luke goes, Leia, it's Leia. Like just and so he was like, yeah. Well, she was anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> your insight serves you well. Bury your feelings deep down, Luke. They do you credit, but they could be made to serve the Empire. And and this is another moment that foreshadows some of what's to come, both in this movie, and but later. for Luke's arc later, of Luke's emotions will sometimes get the best of him. But yeah. how we know Luke has grown into the character he's meant to be is because he doesn't follow through. Luke's right. emotions get the best of him in the throne room. He is hacking at Darth Vader. He is harnessing the dark side energy, and he is going down that dark path because he is letting hate consume him and then he realizes oh no no 
can't let that happen, right? And cast his lightsaber aside. Well, and the the great thing about this is he's being stoked. His passions, the things that make him go nuts is protecting his family. Yeah. It's the fact of like, maybe we'll go after your sister. And that's what like (laughs) Luke loses it Mm -hmm. is he's like, no, you cannot go after my sister. And he gets his senses when he cuts his father's hand off, Mm -hmm. looks at his own hand and goes, oh, this is what happened to you. Yeah. This is how you became this. Mm -hmm. And Luke remembers his training and is able to overcome. And it's a really great moment, especially the thing. One of the things I love the most about Star Wars is it's so easy to interpret it one way the first time you see it. And as you watch it again and as more pieces come out, it becomes sometimes so much more interesting, so much more in depth. I think a perfect modern example, right? We're looking at an example now that's 30 years old. Perfect modern example is Captain Phasma, mm-hmm. a character that, frankly, in the movies doesn't have a whole lot to do. That doesn't mean she's a bad character. People love Boba Fett and he does less than she does. So, I mean, realistically, yeah. right? It's not about what the character does, but just people didn't attach to her, I think, in the way that maybe a lot of people wanted to. But Especially if you- not either director. <laughs> but if you read the Phasma novel, uh-huh. it makes her such a better character. Now, absolutely. If you want to say, I shouldn't have to read a novel to like this character, that's fine. But remember, in a movie with hundreds of new characters, they can't all have these huge story arcs. They can't have all this great plot all the time. And so, yeah, you can argue about a million well, and, different things around Wars that. Star is notorious for showing you something and not yeah. explaining it, which right. causes us in the extra content to get those explanations we we are beckoned to make that stuff yeah and and so whenever you know you think about supplemental material like this of like foreshadowing that comes back later um these moments that have a different meaning when you look at them later based on what you know right that to me is one of the most interesting things about star wars and for me personally it's why i love the novel so much and it's why i love the continuity It's why I love that this is all one big story because it all feels like it connects. And yes, there are going to be little mistakes. There might be little things that don't necessarily jive or add up when you have hundreds of authors over decades working on stuff. Well, you have inconsistencies when a single author is writing a book, let alone all of these ones working on it. Yeah. So there is a certain threshold that I'm personally am okay saying, you know what? These are made by people. Yep. It's fine. I don't care if there are some small inconsistencies because they're trying. Yes. Because they're trying to tell one giant story. And as someone who loves the giant story they're telling, I love being able maybe every two or three months to go on and you know order a book from Del Rey that'll tell me a little bit more of it. And sometimes it's a really important story, and sometimes it's not a really important story. It's just a fun story, and that is great. And everything we learn about that Obi-Wan yep. says here, every sort of lesson he's teaching Luke here in this little speech comes back in Luke's life multiple times after this. And one of the things that I think that's most important about his line is I think maybe in all of Star Wars canon, he delivers my favorite line, which Ooh, is that? which is Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to yeah. greatly depend on our point yeah. of view. And I cannot overstate mm-hmm. how much when I was like five, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. watching this <laughs> way too many times with my brother, yep. did I go, that's stupid. He was your dad and this old ghost man lied to you. Like 
I saw it just black and white. Yep. I'm like, like, oh, they just must not figured it out till later. And like, by the time I was a teenager, I'm like, oh, well, Lucas didn't know what he was doing. So he re- rewrote this so he could have that line. But I cannot express when I hit my 20s and now I'm <laughs> in my 30s, how much I have realized that is maybe the single most important kernel of wisdom that Star Wars tells the human race, which is the understanding of like, heroes and villains are cast by how you see them, what perspective you bring. Um, They reinforce this theme later in the prequels where you have like Qui-Gon Jinn saying your focus determines your reality. You have the thing of the battle of heroes at the beginning is the song that plays underneath the battle of Coruscant in episode three, because as the opening crawl of episode three says, there are heroes on both sides. This is the, the Confederacy is evil because you're, part of the Republic and the Republic is evil because you're part of the, the Confederacy. Right. Everything in star Wars has slowly just manifested to reflect the central truth of we only believe what our point mm-hmm. of view allows us to mm-hmm. see. Another great example of this, because I think this is a great point, Mac is we are told throughout the entire OT, the original trilogy. Yeah. That the Jedi are the good guys. Right. They're the heroes. And we see some Jedi do some pretty questionable things in the prequels, I think. Totally. Right? And n- always with the best intentions. Never like, I'm doing well, this to be evil or go to the dark side. One of my favorite things right? is, Order 66 is for when the cent- when the central government has been overthrown by the Jedi. Which they actually totally do. <laughs> Legally, yes. That is what happens. For the right happens, reasons. Right? They're taking down the Sith Lord. Right. But they're doing that by right. arresting the Chancellor. Right. I mean, think about it this way. If you were a investigator, an investigator who's a private investigator hired by the government to uncover a conspiracy and you uncover the conspiracy and instead of going to a judge or going to a law enforcement office, you just say, you know what? I've got that gun in my desk. I've been at the range, been practicing. We're going to go get him. Like, that's what happened. You can't jail this guy. We have to kill him. Yeah. Whoa. 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 You just, and like, don't like we said, every reasoning. Right. But that is well, what we get from to, the point of view of the Jedi. It's an existential threat to everything. Right. To and us just, in the legal yeah. look at it legally like the emperor becomes all legal eagle. The emperor. Yeah. And, and I mean, I find that incredibly interesting now, yeah. especially once again after The Last Jedi, because that's how it's framed, right? You have this character who we believe and we trust in, and here he is saying, yeah, the Jedi messed up, and they're not good. They're not helping, so we're going to get rid of them. They're just people, too. Right? And I find that so interesting, and to me, it makes Luke so much more interesting. But having said that, let's yeah, get yeah. to our next Force Ghost moment, because we're going to get there in a minute, and that is what I thought was going to be kind of the most popular force ghost moment and that is the three ghosts that we see at the end of return of the jedi so we've got obi-wan appears there we've got yoda appears there and we've got sebastian stan no that's the marvel guy what's his name no no sebastian shaw sebastian i said sebastian stan isn't that the winter soldier no oh yeah no it might be something like Sebastian that. Shaw is the person. Yeah, you're Sebastian Shaw is the name I was trying to get out, but you you're know, good. yeah, whatever. And so, Hayden Christensen, and then later Hayden Christensen. So if you don't know, in uh, Episode Six, Return of the Jedi, at the very end, one of the very last things you see is Luke kind of casually leaning on a tree. You know, everything's going okay for him, and, and he you can kind of see his... that separation. Like his friends have won the battle, but Luke has obviously gone through a trauma that no one else has seen, and he's yes. like. I, you know, I saw my dad. I redeemed him. He died. I know mm-hmm. what the I, you guys are like. Oh, 
he blew up the Death Star. I'm like, I killed the Emperor, and that dude was a he's a piece, a piece of work. Of work. <laughs> oh boy, man. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so Luke kind of takes like a little bit of solace, walks away, yeah. puts his arm in there, is just like reflecting on everything, and he sees the perfect confirmation of he mm-hmm. did the right thing. He achieved his destiny. He sees his two masters, and next to them, the Force Spirit of his father. Which is this great moment of giving him the validation of that line that Vader says, which is the, the you know, he, he's like, I have to save you. You already have. You and we see that his soul has been cleaned. Yes. And it's great, right? It is Fantastic. one of the most powerful moments in all of Star Wars. It is a scene, uh, no matter what version of the song is playing, it, it's great, right? Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. And it, it's, Force ghosts are interesting. I mean, they are. They're, and... And we're left, I think, at episode six of like, oh, Luke's going to go on to all of his adventures and he's going to have this chorus of ghosts mm-hmm. to here to guide him. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing about it, I'll just say, is the reason these ghosts are here, I think, narratively, is they're calling back to the older traditions of theater where you had the chorus. You had the, you know, the ghost of Hamlet's father, where you had these characters that are, okay, Look, I don't make any sense, but I need to tell you a story. And that can only happen if I'm dead or outside of the mm-hmm, event. Mm-hmm. And that is more important than figuring out why this stuff makes sense, right? Do Absolutely. Go- do ghosts make sense? Will ghosts ever come back in our story? It doesn't really matter. The point is this information needs to be told and the narrative requires us to do this, even if you now have to accept there are ghosts in this story. So... What we have here is we have this unique thing of we don't know where our character is going to go. We don't know the next time Force Ghosts are going to come about. And it took, I mean, from 1983 to 2015, or sorry, 2017, a long time for us to really see Force Ghosts again. And people didn't touch it. Like, even in Legends, like, uh, I think Timothy Zahn's novel or... Uh, yeah, I think it deals with the fact of like Obi-Wan basically saying like, you've completed your destiny, Luke. You you, you don't need us anymore. And, and I'm going to fade away. We, we, we may never speak again. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and that was, of course, the kickstart of all the EU, like yeah. they never touched them again. Like Luke doesn't have adventures with his ghost pals. Like they they after Endor, they go into the nether realm having completed this journey, having yeah. lived and their business is finished in the traditional ghost sense. They can rest at peace. Yeah, absolutely. So a long time goes by. Lots of things happen to Luke. Lots of good stuff. A couple bad things. Yeah. And uh, Luke cuts himself on the off from the force. Yep. Now, based on the dialogue that we're about to talk about here, I think it's safe to assume that before Luke cut himself off sometime between zero and six years before the last Jedi and the force awakens. Right. Yep. Um, I feel he was still talking to some of these ghosts. He might have. Been. Okay. But you know, we don't it's know unexplored at the Right. Moment. Exactly. So here we are in the last Jedi. Luke has opened himself back up to the force. Finally, after being cut off for an indeterminate amount of time. And he is on a mission. He believes that what he is doing is right. He has been a failure. He has failed. He was weak. He was unwise. And he caused the failure of the Jedi. He went through the same emotions Yoda did. Yep. And he put himself into exile. Because just like Yoda, his order was destroyed. He failed a pupil. And because of that, he needed to exile himself. Except because this is history repeating itself, Luke says, you know what? 
the Jedi are messed up. And I like to personally think, I think we're going to learn a lot more about this in uh, after, <laughs> after December that again, timestamp, we are yeah, weeks away from, <laughs> yeah, that a lot of what Luke learned was not just in these last six years, but throughout the entire 30 year gap from Jedi to the sequel trilogy. Right. And so everything he learned all comes to this culmination of this moment of, he lets fear guide him again. He lets his hate for what Ky- for sorry for what Ben will become right. right lead him down a dark path momentarily. Now what we see here is Luke is so much stronger than he was before in Jedi because he is able to basically say he you know he turns his lightsaber on for this split moment, this split second. He think it's he thinks that he can prevent all this horror and he realizes no no this is not the path right i have done this i can do this better this is not the path he didn't spend the 40 he seconds hacking away he has he, that moment like you said like in Return yeah. of the Jedi, where he's like like he suddenly realizes in one moment of oh i know what i am and i know mm-hmm. where this path goes and mm-hmm. i don't want to be part of this yeah and then he realizes that no he will not make the same mistakes now unfortunately it leads to a really bad situation where he feels he has failed. And that brings us back to where Luke is about to destroy the, what what would amount to the current Jedi archives, right? The original origin texts of the Jedi and Yoda comes back and says, Oh, you know, I don't think that's what we should do here. And basically we see Yoda from behind. We see his force ghosts. Luke turns around and he goes, master Yoda. (laughs) And, Yoda basically goes, oh, young Skywalker. And uh, Luke goes, oh, I'm ending all of this. It's time, you know, for the Jedi end. And this is a really interesting part here. We see Luke turn to go back into the tree. Yoda kind of smiles slyly, raises his finger, and some lightning comes down and catches the tree on fire. Yep. We see Luke have this moment of panic, like what is happening? He tries to rush <laughs> in to grab the books, right? <laughs> and he gets blown back by fire exploding out of the tree. And as he's laying there on the ground, kind of bewildered, uh, Yoda you know, looks over and goes, oh, Skywalker, missed you, I have. And Luke goes, and so it is time for the order to end. And this is one of my favorite moments of The Last Jedi, if not my favorite, maybe. I haven't decided. But basically, uh, he goes, so it is time for the Jedi order to end. And Yoda goes, time it is. And then there's like a 10-second pause. Like, it's not just a Yoda pause. It's a really long pause. Use the audience to let that sink in. Yeah. Because he goes, time it is. For you to look past the pile of old books. Like, he really leaves this big pause here. And, you know, now we're realizing, oh, nope, Yoda's here to give advice. He's not here to scold. He's not here to burn down a tree. Yoda's here to teach a lesson. He's here to be a master. He hasn't been able to communicate with Luke. You know, missed you, I have. Here he is to teach him one last thing. So, and, and uh, you know, Luke goes, but this ancient Jedi text. No, what is he saying? The favorite sacred Jedi text. <laughs> the sacred yeah. Jedi text. And in yeah, just that it. moment, he's back to Luke in episode four. Totally. Right? And I love it. I love it. I love it. Because we're seeing Luke is still who we knew. He's Luke. Right? But Luke changed so much in front of our eyes in such a small period of time luke changed drastically from when we meet him on tatooine Uh to where we see him in empire to where we see him at the end of return i mean that's like three and a half years that's not a lot of time and that's his adolescence right like i'm not much older now than luke was right like here we have this person who their entire world 
is blown up and changed in the matter of just a few years. And then over the next 30 years, believe it or not, he learns more. He learns more about the universe and the Jedi, and he changes more. He's not who he was at the end of episode six, and I promise you that is okay. But we see that even this master, even this great person, still has to learn another lesson from a Force ghost because no master is truly ever done when it comes to having knowledge to give, right? Just because Luke has hypothetically grown more powerful than Yoda does not mean he doesn't still have things to learn. I mean, you have it written down there, but I'm pretty sure that's right after where where the Jedi text is where Yoda comes back with the always your head, you know. So, yeah. Time it is for you to look past a pile of old books, right? And Luke goes, oh, the Jedi text. And he goes, oh, read them, have you? Page turners, they They were were not. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Wisdom they held. But that library contained nothing that the girl Rey didn't already possess. Skywalker still looking to the horizon, never hear the need in front of your nose. And this is where Yoda kind of whacks him in the face with the <laughs> yeah. cane a little bit, which I love, right? And Luke goes, I was weak, unwise. And Yoda goes, Lost Ben Solo, you did. Lose Ray, we must not. Heeded my words not, did you? So this is now my favorite, I think, Force Ghost moment, taking over from that Obi Wan moment of pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, hmm, but yes, but Weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Listen, as a guy whose profession is teaching, like (laughs) I cannot express to you just how profoundly, deeply meaningful that we are what they grow beyond. It's like that sums up to me teaching because it is depressing because you do eventually run out of what you can give them. You mm-hmm. can only set them up for success as well as you can, what, right. whatever you're doing, you know? Right. But at the same time, your ultimate success is that they don't need you anymore. Yeah. Like the ultimate success mm-hmm. is they've grown beyond what you can give mm-hmm. them. And we see every Jedi in Star Wars distrib- or display this in one way or another, right? Yeah. Right. So... And uh, Obi-Wan believes he knows better than Gwygon in parts of episode one. He believes Gwygon is making bad calls, right? Because he believes, oh, I've seen enough now. I'm I'm ready to make my own decisions, right? In episode two, we see the same thing, except now it's Anakin and Obi-Wan, right? We see it later on where Yoda and Obi-Wan are trying to keep Luke back. And Luke goes, nope, I'm doing it. I'm powering through. I'm ready. I need to go save my friends. I don't need to complete my training, right? And then later on, we realize, oh, you know, they had their own motivations. So it all comes back to that point of view thing. And this, I mean, I'm literally was tearing up reading this. Like, this is such a powerful line. And it's such an incredibly emotional, impactful line, specifically for Luke. Okay? This line really ties together Luke's entire arc in this movie. Like, what Luke does at the end of this movie, which we're not going to talk about today, is incredible. But it all happens because of this lesson. Yeah. Right? It all happens because of this final lesson that Yoda gives him. And having these mentors who are not affecting the story physically, really, but imparting this knowledge and this wisdom is such an awesome, unique thing because all it is is in any other movie or story, this character read this in a book, right? This character read it in a reference manual, right? But no, here's this living way to really show that these force ghosts are impacting their, the world around. The thing about it is the, the, 
to kind of start pulling this together. Like yeah. the thing with the force ghosts is they represent the living force, the concept of the force that Qui-Gon Jinn carried around with him of the force is a living entity that is affecting change in the world and is meant to be listened to and followed on impulse and things like that. It is not a sacred tradition that has all this, you know, doctrine that controls it. He thought it was a much more wild living expressive thing. Yeah. And through that, Qui-Gon's the first one to come back from the nether realm and he teaches Yoda and Yoda get, teaches Obi-Wan. And, you know, we, we're not exactly sure, but Luke seems to learn that technique because at the end of episode eight, he like Obi-Wan and Yoda before him fades away. He doesn't just die yeah. and need cremated like Qui-Gon. Yeah. He is ready to become one with the force. Mm-hmm. And when he does, he disappears from his body. Yes. And it's great. I mean, it's it is, I think, basically from that moment through the end of Luke Skywalker, as we know him, the most emotionally powerful thing in all of Star Wars. And And it all starts because of that Force Ghost interaction. If you are someone who did not like The Last Jedi and and the reverence we're giving it to, it's frustrating. I would really encourage you that we are on the eve of Rise of Skywalker. We maybe see more Force Ghosts. Luke might come back as a Force Ghost. He might, you know, still be mentoring Rey. Uh, there are theories that the Emperor we keep hearing he is a Sith Force Ghost, which would be an interesting twist. I hope he's red instead of blue, if that's the case. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing about it is this concept of failure and and the arc of Luke Skywalker. I, I really don't think we're going to feel that completeness until we have the final chapter of the Skywalkers that we are going to see, you know, does Luke Mm -hmm. come back and, and still affect change or was his, you know, last moments in Mm -hmm. episode eight, is that the last we see of Luke? Cause I think a lot of people's frustration with Luke is we found him as a, a bitter, broken old man. And that at the end of the day, he is a bitter, broken old man who's trying to make amends and I feel that people wanted to see more heroic Skywalker. And I'm like, I think that character exists. We're going to see that in comic books and novels that fill in that 30 year period. We're going to see a little bit more of what was that 30 year period like and whatever information rise of Skywalker exists. And I think it's going to be just like the line we just really honored Obi-Wan with that line is going to get more resonant yep. and more powerful. 100%. The more star Wars grows. And I think that right now when we, we, we are, we left the dark middle chapter on the cliffhanger and we don't know where it's going to go. It's really hard to have faith that it's going to end in a way that people are going to be satisfied with. It's going to satisfy everybody. Mm -hmm. And we won't know for where we are in time a month, uh, whether this all works out or not in our opinions. And, you know, that's really exciting, but I think it just is, impactful to realize that just like we all felt better about these sequences and the messages they're telling and Obi-Wan's like, you know, words have more weight after seeing the prequels and that Luke's feelings of eight of saying like the Jedi were failure and Yoda saying like, I know we screwed up. Like having seen the prequels is what gives that weight. And that wouldn't have had that weight. If you only think about the OT, like star Wars gets better. The more there is of it. I mean, I think so. so. I, I absolutely. So I have a few more Force Ghost things, but okay, is sure. there anything else we want no, to talk no, about from a spiritual standpoint? I think because the rest. I, of this I think is I think be... we've got. I think we. It's time to just go and get to the yeah. appendix of this and just get some of the final thoughts through. Okay, 
So a couple thoughts here. You already sort of touched on one, but I'll start with the easiest ones, okay? Okay. Will we see Luke Skywalker as a Force Ghost in Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker? I feel his presence will exist e- even if it is only auditorily. I think we will 100% see a Force Ghost version. Of him. I think it's inevitable. I think no matter who the director was, what the story was, with Luke dying at the end of Episode Eight, it has to happen. I feel that the, he for will, thematic reasons, for fan I, reasons, no, no, everything. I'll, we have a we have planned in December. If you're waiting, we're going to have a episode where we talk about our ideas of rise before it comes out but i just want to say this one pet theory i have is i think we will but i don't think he'll necessarily be talking to ray i think he will be haunting ben solo (laughs) i am so on board for that we'll see okay will anakin skywalker be a force ghost in episode nine the rise of skywalker i think it would be weird to repeat the return Mm -hmm. of the jedi where there's just the gallery of like here's all of us we're looking on you hero character or Um, whoever I think if we do see Anakin, it will be either him talking to Kylo Ren or it will be the ghost of Palpatine imitating the ghost of Vader. It'll be it'll be a, we'll if he exists, it'll be a vision. It'll be yeah. nebulous. And I don't think it'll be as clear. Like, as, like he'll just Obi-Wan. won't appear in front of him. Right. And have a conversation. I think that's fair. OK, uh, so no Yoda force ghost. Then we think that was pretty much there's no need at this point. Right. Ray has again, no unless we have a collection them. of all the force ghosts. Yeah. OK, sounds good. Uh, a couple more force ghost merchandise. Okay. Any thoughts? Well, they're cool because they're made out of translucent mm-hmm. plastic. So Force Ghost merchandise is something I love. Okay. Okay. Um, I have two particular things I want to call out. Hit. Power of the Force 2, there is a Jedi spirit set that has Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Yoda mm-hmm. with a great little Endor backdrop. That was when the packaging, you know, really showed a scene. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. It's one of my favorite things in my whole collection okay. but there's one thing i love even more now Uh-oh. so have you heard of these disney vinylmation figures yeah 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 so for those of you who don't know vinylmation uh through dis i mean vinylmation is a thing that you know but it's kind of this version of it is coined by disney and they're these little mickey shaped statues yep all right and the idea is the artist has to create something out of the body of mickey so it's got the body the feet the overalls you know the ears the head shape but that's it it's a blank canvas beyond that imagine a black figurine of mickey with no details on it that's maybe about three and a half inches tall yeah that's and then they just paint Mm -hmm. onto it whatever they want and try to bend that shape that form into something interesting now i loved these when they first came out because they were really cool yeah they had some characters and some ride based ones and some classic disney stuff that was awesome and this was uh before i think this had to have been before lucasfilm was bought by disney but um they started and basically they were they were really cool they had these guest artists that would come in and design them and you know they're really cool like i have this one that i love from pretty early on when these things first started coming out there was like um they were just like this little uh pack and they're blind boxes you know it's like one one out of 12 and you know rare ones and chase ones and all that but there's one that's just like it's this one and the, the title of it i think or the name of it was just glass half full and it was literally it took me months to even figure out what this thing was it was like a mickey and half was blue half was white and there was what looked like a red and white ladder but i realized later it was a straw and it was like the concept of like, you know, glass half full, glass half empty yeah. on this little. And like, that is just so neat to me for whatever reason. Right? Sure, it's just this sure. artistic thing that I find really interesting. But anyway, eventually they started licensing them. And now they have Star Wars ones, which are great. And yeah. I have a, I have a, maybe a half dozen or so. But they made a Force Ghost three pack of Anakin. Now it is Hayden Christensen Anakin in that That's one. Uh, which, yeah, I, I, I like the both. only part of the special edition I personally hate and loathe i han can shoot first second last i don't care that's the one that bothers me only because 
it seems weird for him to de-age. And more importantly, no one in 83 said, who's that guy? I've never seen him before. Yeah. We all figured it out. I've grown to be okay with it. I feel it's, it's just, it's it's not that I have anything against Hayden Christensen. I think it's just literally insulting to the audience that we couldn't figure out <laughs> that, the, that, oh, that man's the 40-something um, version of Anakin. Oh, so I'm, I never felt insulted by it, but I do feel insulted for the actor. Well, what I mean by that is like, yeah, well, I just feel that it's just, we knew what that scene meant. And I feel mm-hmm. that Lucas's mind was, I'm going to put Anakin as we know him in there for clarity to make sure that there's no ambiguity of this was Anakin Skywalker. Uh huh. Absolutely. And I get that, but I go there, there wasn't confusion before. Okay. Now you're confusing me that like, well, why doesn't, why isn't you and McGregor there as Obi-Wan? If you could die and take mm-hmm. any corporal form you had, why are you going to be the old man? <laughs> Okay, fair enough. With uh, Puppet Yoda, he should be. <laughs> anyway, any Force Ghost merch Mac that you like? Um, I don't think I actually owned anything. See, it's kind of weird. Again, you love the Force, the, mm-hmm. the 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 living kind of nature of this magical Force that they mm-hmm. connect to, and I like tech. Mm-hmm. So the closest thing I liked was I had a Darth Vader that was clear, transparent. It was the Holonet transmission. That's of, pretty cool, though. Of, and and also weird that they had the hollow holonet transmission which is a translucent blue version mm-hmm. of vader mm-hmm. only a couple scenes after a translucent blue version of obi-wan it's weird they went apparently if you're being broadcast over the holonet or you're dead you turn blue <laughs> okay i like it all right how about this one so that very first scene we talked about with yoda yeah. and obi-wan in the end of episode three an old friend has learned the path to immortality yeah is this the immortality talked about earlier in that same movie with Plagueis and Sidious? Mm. Is this the power they were trying to access? Oh, that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. I I think I think it's probably tapping into the same thing. It's mm-hmm. about making your will exist beyond this mortal form. And because that's what this is. This is not your body, right? This is your your um essence. Yeah, your well, spirit, your Yeah. I mean spirit absolutely, but your mind, your personality. Yeah, your personality is the word. There's a net for word I'm thinking of, but personality Persona, essentially. Avatar. Yeah. All right. Well, you get the point, right? So, I mean just a thought, right? But Well, I think the other thing they're about in is, literally it, the same movie. Well, you have the, the evil guys talking about immortality, and then at the end you literally have our main hero saying the word immortality. Someone has done this. It's not hard to draw that line. But I think it's just the light side, dark side view of that, right? Oh, For the dark side definitely. who are passionate and about the here and the now and the path <laughs> and the quick. It makes sense that they would interpret that as your body. Yeah. You will live on biologically immortal. Yeah. And it makes sense that the spiritual, connected, selfless Jedi are like, we can live on to do unfinished business and yeah. to guide the fo- and be the will of the force made mm-hmm. manifest. Mm-hmm. Which is something that a dark sider would never want. That is not the immortality they want, even if that's the only way to get there. And that seems like a very forced thing of like, yeah. if you want immortality, you can't have it. If you don't want it, I will give it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very interesting, right? I mean, I think we're going to get more. And I honestly think we're going to get more in this next Star Wars movie. Well, and the other fun about thing this. about it is they talk about it as the nether realm, right? As the yeah. idea of like you become one with the force, mm-hmm. you lose your personality mm-hmm. as you become part of the spiritual fabric of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered with Force Ghost, when uh, when Yoda comes, is that Yoda or is that just the will of the Force using a familiar form to send its message to people? When you know? if it was just voiceover, maybe. 
But I think we have seen that these are the same people with memories, with the same personalities, well, and most importantly, with an agenda. Well, but I'm just saying, but is that just they've become one with the force and they are the ambassador. They are the face. They are the will that yeah. shows yeah. what the force needs to do. Like mm-hmm. I, what I'm trying to say is like, I don't know if that is. I don't know. And it's interesting to think about whether mm-hmm. they are actually have their own agency. Like can it Obi-Wan is super interesting to think about. I think it's great. And again, I think yeah. you're right. I think we'll see a little bit more of it. Okay. I think we will too. I have one more thing I want to ask you. Cause this okay. is the one that I think for me personally is the biggest question I have, especially not knowing how Luke Skywalker is going to be handled in episode nine. Sure. Are force ghosts getting stronger because we see, Obi-Wan talk, we see part of Obi-Wan, we see Obi-Wan stand, we see Obi-Wan interact with the environment, and then we see Yoda literally conjure lightning and whack Luke on the head. Yeah. So I think they're becoming more corporeal, more, and I think that's, I think that comes from three places the way I see it. One, we saw that ramp twice, in my opinion, because you have the Qui-Gon shout out, and then obviously Qui-Gon must appear to Yoda in some way that Mm -hmm. Yoda sees his presence well, and learns Well, doesn't Yoda meditate and hear Gwygon's voice? Yeah, in he does. Three? But I think he also sees him in the Force. I think he sees a vision of him, right? And so Force makes... visions were handled really odd in the prequels when you look back on it, I feel like. Well, it's cuz they actually showed him. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, think Fair about enough. it. Like we Fair heard enough. about visions, but the only one we ever saw was Luke fighting Vader and that yeah. was trippy as heck. It was, you're right. It um, was. And I think you so we saw that ramp of like more manifestation so he could talk to Yoda. He mm-hmm. could give him that information. And then mm-hmm. Obi-Wan just is saying, shouting out like important things for Luke that are like not even really, they're barely sentences. They're just yeah. these commands to go like, Luke, you should run. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he becomes animated. He's still seeing these kind of stunted things until halfway through Empire. And by Return of the Jedi, he's like, let me take a log here. Let me, let me, yeah. let me learn you something big here, yeah. Luke. Let's, so let's talk learn about your dad. You something big. Oh I mean, God. but like, and I think you're right. By the time Yoda is casually doing that thing that Obi-Wan took three movies to do. Mm-hmm. And then he's also manifesting mm-hmm. force powers that are beyond what we've ever seen a Jedi do. Mm-hmm. He controls the weather. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I think you're right that they're becoming more corporal. They're becoming more alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's easily explained mm-hmm. by before Qui-Gon Jinn, mm-hmm. this never existed. This yes. never happened before Qui-Gon Jinn, at least within any kind of living memory. Yes. And because of that, Qui-Gon taught Yoda, Yoda taught Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan taught Yoda. Like, they have learned this mm-hmm. technique and are honing in mm-hmm. and getting mm-hmm. better at controlling it. Yes. I, I mean, I agree. And so all of that, to come back to the first question I asked now, does Luke in some way fight or influence the story in a way in episode nine physically, not just through knowledge and wisdom. Oh, um, I would say no. And the reason I would say no is even when Yoda is burning a tree or knocking Luke on the head, it is just to make that wisdom more apparent, more clear. And I think the force will only allow them. Their lives are over. Mm -hmm. They only get to be indirect. Mm -hmm. And that's also coming from the tradition of ghost stories of like the ghosts. I can tell you this terrible thing, my son, but well, can you help me defeat him? No, I, I, I can't even hold on to things. It's a miracle. I'm not falling <laughs> through the floor. Like, well, the Yoda's or Obi-Wan says 
if you do this, if you leave and don't complete your training, I can't go with you. You will face Vader alone. Whoa. Right. And so for two reasons, I don't think he will. OK, he might be more alive than we've seen. He might be walking around. He might be doing something. But for two reasons, I, that line from Obi-Wan. Yeah. And it's not written by fanboys. Well, and the other thing about that is anything you want to do to see Luke Skywalker being a powerful figure, mm-hmm. but incorporeal, you already saw the episode of episode eight. We've already seen what he yeah. can do being a being that's not really there. Yeah. There's nothing to improve or plus on from there. I think we'll get some, I think we'll get some great stuff from Luke. I think he will probably be to the plot about as important as Obi-Wan well, is, but let's not dive I, too deep into yeah. speculation. I think the point is Luke will come back yeah. and I think we both think it will be maybe broader than it's been. We'll see more natures of these ghosts, but I don't think we're both in agreement that like, no, Luke is not going to come back in the third act and actually save the galaxy for people. He is going to indirectly yeah. affect, affect Ben and Ray and help bring the story mm-hmm. to a close. I agree. I agree. So in a couple months, we'll know and we'll talk about it again, maybe. I'm fine with that. Awesome. So, Mac, I think I feel pretty good about Force Ghosts. I don't have a whole lot left to say. It's you feeling great good? Topic. I feel really good about this. You know what? I love Force Ghosts, so I'm always happy to talk about them. It's such an interesting... It's it's one of the most Shakespearean things I love about Star Wars is mm-hmm. the fact that, yeah, there's ghosts. Why? Because they're interesting and can tell you cool things. It's a yeah. neat... It's a neat piece to yeah. the Star Wars universe. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's move on to something else. Chapter two, Meat Nest. Chapter eight, Long Windows. Chapter 43, Death and All His Friends. I'm uncomfortable already. Sinew. I don't know what he's doing. We didn't plan this. We're talking about a very interesting novel in the Star Wars canon. Technically a legend now. It has been pushed out. Yes. But I'm talking about perhaps. So the one thing about this book I remember specifically, and the book is Death Troopers, is I remember the chapter's names being every single one of them was like, unsettling they were all really good and really gross (laughs) they sound gross they are gross they were gross now that i've experienced them too it is gross it's a gross book yeah but now that we're in the spooky season i think it's important that we reflect on some of the times that star wars has veered into horror yeah star wars doesn't have a whole lot of spookiness but this novel is one of the few standouts. So that's mm-hmm. why we've decided to talk about it as part of our spooky episode. Indeed. So we have a really, really interesting topic for you because this is going to be the first time we are dissecting a novel. Yes. And we know that we spoil everything on this show. If you've ever listened to us before, you know that we spoil everything. And we're really going to spoil this novel. So if you want to read Death Troopers from 2009, which is now a Legends novel. Uh, yeah, Joe Schreiber wrote it, who was a horror writer. That's why they brought him in, yeah. was literally to make this book. So if you don't want to have every single thing about it spoiled for you. Yes. Now I would say we're not going to give every detail away, but we are going to hit all the big plot points. I think in any of these discussions where we yeah. really digest something, I don't think we're in, 
we're not trying to be exhaustive and cover everything, but we're going to cover plot points. And especially with a twisty, turny horror survivally novel like this, that's basically all it has going for it. Is yeah, the plot. It, it's that's the, that's the pieces that are like, who's going to live, who's going to die. You don't yeah. want to know that if you're interested in it. Yeah. So if you just want to hear about an interesting legend story, stick around. If not, maybe come back for the next topic here in a few minutes. Right. Okay. So Mac, here's what I'm thinking. Do we want to go through an entire sort of summary overview of the novel, or do we want to go through piece by piece and talk about each section individually? Um, let's okay. Let's just give a quick like okay. back of the book overview of what okay. we're about to talk about. So, if you've never read this book or seen this book or know anything about this book, mm-hmm. uh, it's essentially a story that takes place on an imperial prison barge, the right. Purge. And this barge has inmates, prison guards, a warden, and a doctor. Yeah. Well, they get stranded in space and come across uh, a dead ship, a dead Imperial Star Destroyer. It's giving off no life form readings. It, well, I think it is uh, a little bit, but, you know, it doesn't have power. There's no distress call. It's a ghost ship. It's sitting dead in the water. Yeah. So, So they go to investigate. Mm-hmm. And some bad things happen. And There's that's some... essentially the gist of the book. Yeah. On, on the Imperial Star Destroyer Vector, there are some fun things aboard. Yeah. So let's go through. And uh, Mac, do you want to give kind of just your first opinion on this book since you were the first one to read it? So one of the things I've always been fascinated with in Star Wars storytelling is um when they go and create something that is different than the normal beats of Star Wars. Now, ironically enough, I don't particularly like that when they do it in like Clone Wars Rebels, like in the actual visual medium of film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked um, and got really into uh, looking at stuff that was different. So like, I really like a series of books called Coruscant Nights by Michael Reeves. It's all like mm-hmm. film noir versions of Star Wars. And this book I got into because it was, sold the same way of like, it's a star Wars horror novel. Yeah. And I'm like, well, as much as I hate horror movies, I love horror books and video games. So I'm like, I'm in, let's go, let's go check this out. (laughs) And I remember reading it and just thinking like, this is just not the best horror novel in the world, but it's, it's so cool to see star Wars through that prism to see a spooky, dreadful, creeping horror with also blasters and stormtroopers and stuff. Yeah. And I didn't read it in 2009. I read it in 2019, yes. uh, and I finished it about three days ago, so we could record this episode. Which is good, because yeah. my memory is probably going to be a little less than yours. Yeah, so I do have some notes. I do have a pretty good memory of it now. And, uh, yeah. Let's... Well, what's your overall feel? Did you, did well, you, let's go with, did you like it? Uh, no. <laughs> um, okay, that's all. I mean... I liked it, but it's just I, so my favorite part of Star Wars are the mm-hmm. novels. I mean, we've talked about this a little yeah. bit. We've alluded to it, but Star Wars novels are what carried my fandom through uh, basically from 2005 mm-hmm. until, you know, 2012, 2013, when I started getting back into collecting a little bit. And then obviously we had more movies and things. But, oh. you know, the novels, I, I read novels starting in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, children's, you know, some of the children's stuff and then worked my way up from there and eventually found my way to my first set of adult novels with the Jedi Academy trilogy. And then 
you know, made my way into the universe from there. So yeah, the novels, novels are, are something that are really important to me. Yeah, they're like the axis your galaxy spins on. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to novels, I take them very seriously. I don't feel like every novel has to be one I love, so I'm definitely okay with not loving it, especially being a, a Legends novel. But I think part of it is just living in canon novels only. I mean, I haven't read a sure, Legends sure. novel since... Well, whatever the last novel I read before Hair to the Jedi and Tarkin was. So, oh, yeah. I don't know, maybe Millennium Falcon or Outbound well, yeah, Flight. It's get, been a long time. Things are a lot ricketier back yeah. here in the Legends world. Well, that's the thing. Coming back to a Legends novel now, you know, it's been six, seven years since we've had one. It's just different. It's a very mm -hmm. different feel. And, you know, we should probably take a second and say, if you're not familiar with the Star Wars literary world... Oh, yeah. Uh, before Disney bought Star Wars from basically 1978 with the first Star Wars novel, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, through the early 90s where we finally then started getting uh, with Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy, we got, you know, basically a kickoff into this extended universe. Yes. Where we had all of this content that you could go to your local bookstore and read. And, you know, you were getting five, six, seven novels a year at some points. I mean, at some yeah. points even more when they were putting them out in multiple eras. But, you know, you'd get book series that would be, you know, trilogies of books were common. And then sometimes yes. you'd get a series that was five books or seven books or 19 books. Or, you know, you'd have these vast, vast stories when you thought there was nothing else coming that, you know, there were no more movies we thought. Mm -hmm. And so you had all of these stories available and because star Wars books came out in such great <laughs> quantities, there were tons of stories from any era you could pick. And now going back to them, Canon novels are just a little bit tighter. They're, They're a little bit focused. more locked in. They are very much about character. I find most of the time, whereas most Legends novels feel more about the story beats. These yeah. canon novels feel slower. They feel more driven by character arc and development uh, and also playing into the bigger picture because most novels at this point have been tie-in material to a particular story. You can feel the... the the one thing that Disney is very good at it, which is brand protection. You can kind of feel that in the novels that they are all connected or hooked into different things that are happening. Whereas back in the legends, and this is a perfect example of being really outside. Whereas like, yeah. Hey, this guy wants to write a star Wars horror, horror novel. Look back over at Lucasfilm. You cool with that? Yeah, sure. Let him write it. Okay. <laughs> like they were exploring a lot more things. And one of the things I like about legends is legends is, is, a lot more on the beaten path. One of the things I don't like about canon novels is they are all tied to the films mm -hmm. or, or scaffold in inside the films. There's no yeah. stories that are like, here's a character that has nothing to do with anything. Well, I, I mean, there are, but they're more few and far between. I mean, there well, are even like the black spire novels that just came out that feel like the most independent are still yeah. tying into characters. You'll see at the theme park and the characters that are in the movies and the, the feel and like where the world is before Rise of Skywalker, for instance. They all are in one way or another centered around something that is happening with the Rebellion, yeah. the Empire, the First Order, or the Resistance. Whereas this right? novel had nothing to do with anything, <laughs> exactly. but caused Star Wars to respond to it. Because one of the things that happened with this novel was there was a tie-in to the Star Wars Galaxies um, uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing game. They had an entire episode where you could go visit the Purge. 
and kind of survive through that same encounter. Well, that sounds cool. It is. That's where we actually have canon pictures of some of the characters from this book. Well, I didn't know any of that. And we're well, going to have to that's post That's because you weren't there in 2009, <laughs> man. Apparently not. I was playing Star Wars Galaxy. I was reading horror books. It was great. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, <laughs> what was I doing in 2009? What was so important that I wasn't reading Death Troopers? College. Oh, I was. Yeah, I was. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> that's understandable. I was pretty busy then. It felt uh, busy. So let's get busy the, might not be the right term. So let's term, get into yeah. the snobs. Let's start breaking right. this story. So how about we start out with a little overview of who our characters are? Because I think it'll be best to start with that. A dramatis persona. Yeah, exactly. I, I was going to try and say that, but I'm glad you covered it for me. Dramatis persona. Okay. So our main character mm-hmm. is Trig. Trig and his brother, Kale. Mm-hmm. Now, they have been on the Imperial Prison Barge, The Purge, for eight weeks. Yep. Uh, their father, Vaughn, mm-hmm. passed away, mm. leaving them orphaned. Yes. Now, these are not old kids. Let's see. I think I have here, what, Trig, 13 years old. He's about to turn 14. Mm-hmm. And his brother, who's a few years older than him. I don't know if they said a specific age. So Yeah, he comes off as like maybe like a 16-year-old. Yeah, not an adult. Yes. Right. So they're orphaned. They've been taken from their home. Um, You know, they believe essentially unjustly weren't doing anything. We never really learn much about their father. So we don't know. It definitely seems like on the prison barge, he was part of a network. We know he's a criminal on the barge. We don't know if he's criminal beforehand because he's running weapons. So it might be one of those things where the father was doing something. The children don't know. This book doesn't really care. Um, So. And I think that makes sense for the setting is they they don't want you. It's a very, it's a mixture of a prison. So you have the prison story where everyone's innocent, right? No one's really talking about why they're in the slammer kind of thing. Yes. And you also see like the decadent warden who's just letting this all just happen. He's just happy to get the ship from point A to point B. And as long as it's not always on fire, whatever. And that's Warden Kath. Yes. He stays in his office. He does not leave his office. Okay, so we have Jareth Sartoris. Santoris? Um, Santoris? Sartoris. I thought, I thought, oh, Sartoris. Sartoris. Couldn't remember. Uh, he is the captain of the guard yes. on the boat. Our other guard that comes into play is a guard, Wembley. Yep. He's essentially a guard who's a little bit nice to our inmates. He's the good He's the good Yeah, cop. He's, the he's, good, the good cop. he's the good cop. We have uh, Zahara Cody. Yes. Who's she this? is the doctor. On board, uh, accompanied by her droid waist, and she had just put in her resignation mm-hmm. right before this book starts because of the incident that happened with Trig and Kale, our main character's father. Yes, there is Ormis, who is essentially a another villain on the barge, a uh, you know, a another gang leader uh, who becomes trouble for our main characters, mm-hmm. and. Uh, a bunch of other side characters, basically, who appear for a chapter or two. Yeah, th- those that's our primary cast. And, I mean, realistically, the story of is going to center on the brothers for most of it, the Doctor, and the Captain of the Guard. Yes. Um, because what we basically see at the beginning is we get a sense of the Purge and its culture and how corrupt and how broken it is and how these kids are essentially trying to finish their father's work as a gun runner just to survive. Yes. And now that their father has been killed because he was being... <clears throat> interrogated by the guards which ended up in him getting murdered by the guards Mm -hmm. um 
The doctor lays witness to that. She decides that she's going to quit. The captain of the guard, we, we realize he, he may not be, it may not just be that he's mean. He might be a little nuts. Yeah. And we see that the kids are trying to finish their father's work, but the criminals they're working with, they're like, you're kids. We're just going to kill you and steal all your guns and start selling them ourselves. And that's basically what happens. The novel picks up here uh, with our main characters, Trig and Kale, in the cafeteria. Uh, I want to call out specifically, they describe a species uh, that has literal eyes in the back of its head. Which is they, fun. <laughs> they don't say what it is, but I want to know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to know what species in Star Wars has literal eyes on the back of its head. That excited me. So the barge essentially has a malfunctioning component, right? So that's how we get to where we are. Yes. And basically our main characters, the first few chapters, the barge is still moving. Mm -hmm. They uh, slip back out of the cafeteria after meal. Yep. They make it down to the lower levels. And this is where they're ambushed by or miss basically yeah. saying hey i am now in charge i killed everyone else who was above me and we're gonna kill you and take your stash yep. and uh or miss is a little unique because he has piercings sort of all the way up and down his face yes. lip nose eyebrows they describe you know basically kind of all on the front there and yeah. uh the deal goes bad trigging kale and kale reaches out rips all the metal out of or miss's face so all of his facial piercings and erupt uh, in blood yeah yeah that's the one thing the book describes it in every gory so, detail i would say the book is very focused on visceral on yeah, yeah meaty gory detail yeah it's i mean that's what it is right I like how you're so, just like i find it exhausting it, this is what it is all right yeah. so if you go into it with the right mindset of this is b-level c-level horror yeah. I think you'll have a great time. It does it pretty well. The first half of the book where they're building the suspense, I find more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but it is something that I do think if this sounds like your type of thing, it probably is. Yeah. It just might not be mine. And yeah, that's it, okay. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit pulp horror. It's not trying to really rewrite the script on anything. It's just trying to bring that to Star Wars. Yeah. So essentially, they notice that the barge comes to a stop, yep. you know, dead in space. And all the prisoners are forced to return to their cell. Yeah, something's gone weirdly wrong. And so the warden starts talking to um, Sir. What was it? Sir Tony. Sartorius is the captain. Sartorius, I couldn't remember. Warden Kath. So he wants Sartorius to basically round up some guard and go over to this derelict ship to see if they can fix the component once they realize it's busted. Yeah, they were, they're looking for the parts they need. They don't have the parts they need to fix the ship. So they attach a, a docking tube. Yeah, an umbilical. Yeah, that's exactly what I would think of it as. Yeah. To the Star Destroyer, they make their way into the hangar, and it's, you know, abandoned. There, there's no one there. Yeah, you know, all the picked up a lightning's few... on, but yeah. just no one is here. There's no signs of anyone dying or missing. It's just the whole place is empty. Empty, yes. So they split up mm -hmm. into teams, and they go and explore the ship. Uh, Sartorius, with his group of engineers, finds the part they need. They make it back, but... The other group, the other search party doesn't. And they, we see on this Star Destroyer that obviously this was doing some science stuff because there's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't make sense. Like a lot of laboratories with organic specimens and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, empty containers, you know, um, just just things that seem like they were left in places they shouldn't be. Correct. Right. Not the efficiency and cleanliness of your typical Star Destroyer. Uh, from it's a not tidiness. up to imperial standards. <laughs> okay, so when the men get back, when the search party gets back, Sartorius goes to his bunk and falls asleep, 
And when he's woken up by a pounding at his door Mm -hmm. saying, uh, everybody's sick. Not great. Right. So this is where we really start to meet Dr. Cody, who we have found, you know, like I said, has put in her resignation. But she's a medical professional. She cares about what she does. And she can't really stop her job until the next port where she can get off. Yeah, it's not like Like she she can just take an escape pod. Yeah, But she's still, like, on the last... She's got to, like... Her two weeks are in. She's got her yeah. two weeks to. She doesn't out. have her sky hopper in the hangar. She can't just head out. Right. You know, she's not taking an escape pod. So here we have a barge full of sick people. Only a few people are not showing symptoms. I mean, most people. Yeah, because Centaurus are is apparently sick. not caught whatever the rest of his crew yeah, has. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, everybody's locked down in their cell. Everybody's getting sick. The boys see that essentially, <laughs> you know, they're they're feeling okay. But or miss has moved into the cell next to them. He's threatening them that uh, he's going to come for them. Yes. And they're at a point now where things are not going so well. Sartoris goes to the warden's office to try and get the codes for the escape pod so he can get out. When he arrives, he finds Warden Kath isn't doing so well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in the last moments, he does get the pods for Sartorus, and then he kills the warden. Because at this point, we realize that whatever disease they're catching is terminal. And basically, the doctor at this point is just trying to comfort people, like trying to make the passing easy because she has no idea what to do. And so when Centaurus sees like the warden, he's like, give me your access codes. And then, good. And then he just shoots him because he's running around with like twin stormtrooper blasters killing all these people yeah any he's guard 100% surviving yep anyone that gets in his way whether they're on his side or not he's either if he can't push him aside he's shooting them and by this time we know he's crazy yes 100% now meanwhile uh all of a sudden the longo boys are in their cell mm-hmm. right and the door just opens yep that's it the door just opens every door opens and they're not sure what to make of it they make their way out slowly. They could tell that the Rodians across from them had died. Yeah. Uh, not well either. You know, it didn't sound super pleasant. <laughs> yeah, this disease is not fun. No, it basically uh, lots of coughing, lots of trouble breathing. And then it's like tuberculosis. Yeah, not, not great. a lot of black and lung. It lot comes of... on pretty quick. So as they make their way out, uh, Ormis jumps out and attacks them mm-hmm. uh, and it's not going well, but then Kale is able to save Trig uh, by taking a shiv and stabbing Ormus through the back of the throat. Yep. So they leave him there. They make their way to the guard booth and realize that Wembley has died, the guard who had been nice to them earlier. And kind of warned them about Ormus, gave yeah, them a the chance. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and basically, as his last act, he had let them out of their sale, cell because he knew that you know, some of the prisoners were not affected. Not many, but a few. Right, and he's given him a chance to survive. Absolutely. So, at this point, they try to make their way to the escape pod. They're there, attempting to get in. Sartorus catches them, kicks them out of the escape pod, and ejects from the ship, leaving them there stranded. Leaving them to die. Yes, 100%. He knows what's going on. They know what's going on. He's no fool. He knows what he's doing. Yes, absolutely. Definitely leaving them. Meanwhile... Uh, Cody, Dr. Cody, without uh, anything else to do because everybody in her infirmary is dead, makes her way 
to the bridge. Now, right before she does, her medical droid, who she refers to so lovingly as Waste, Waste. yeah, uh, expresses to her that he has synthesized a cure, hypothetically, from her blood. Because she's also one of the few that's immune. Yeah, at this point, she's basically taken off all of her protection, knowing it does no good, and says, well, I'm either going to get it or I'm not. And at this point, she hasn't, so we assume she's good to go. Right, and so the droid's using her her cells to generate an antivirus. Mm -hmm. I didn't know droids could do that. Medical ones can. In Legends, they can. Medical droids could. They could. Uh, Okay, cool. So she goes to the bridge to search for life forms on board. The uh, computer on the bridge is able to do this because, well, it's a prison barge and they have to be able to keep track of people. Yes. So quick scan of the ship reveals that there are six living people left on board. Yay. Uh Uh-oh. Out of like, what'd they say? 3,000? Something like Some that. Some big number. It's yeah. really bad. It's not great. The attrition rate's bad. Yeah, it's 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 not good. I think they say in the books, like, 99% effectiveness. Yeah. Like, some ridiculous number. So we have our doctor. At this point, maybe Sartorius was still on the ship. I think he was right before he died. So I think he's one of the six. The two boys. The two boys. We later meet a child Wookiee. Yep. So you know what? Sartorius must not have been, because we get no, the Wookiee. No, no, you can get to the rest of the math if you keep thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. And so then we make our way down. She realizes, uh-oh, in solitary confinement, there are two other prisoners. There's two they're life forms still alive. down there. And they've been, they've been isolated. Yeah. So they don't look like they've been infected. Well, so she makes her way down there. Yep. She contacts the, her medical droid, Waste, to meet her, but With he never the, shows up. Right. And she's planning on giving the antivirus. Yeah. Yep. And she has just one vial of it at this point. So it's in yep. limited quantity. She makes her way down. She opens the first cell, and like a wave of thunder, a giant roar comes and knocks her over. Yep. She sees a ferocious beast, but as she doesn't aggress- get aggressive towards him, he just sort of backs off. Mm-hmm. And she opens up the second cell, and out comes our favorite pilot, Rick Olay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a Legends novel, so it's yeah. focused on the important characters. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Not Rick Olay, the no, best some, pilot in the, on Naboo. Some guy with some black vest. Yeah, yeah. So Han Solo and Chewbacca were apparently imprisoned on, on the Purge. Yep. Now, you probably know Han Solo and Chewbacca, but if you don't, well, there are a couple of movies that have them in it. Yeah, you... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, we won't go into those details yeah. of these minor yeah. characters for you. Yeah. Just do a quick search. Okay, so we have now our doctor with Han and Chewie. Yep. Uh, Han is given the antidote because they're not sure if they're immune or the you know uh, cells that they were in down they're on sealed. the lowest level of the ship were completely sealed. So Han seems fine, and as she goes to inject Chewie, he starts having a breakdown. Yeah, he starts getting the the blisters. Yeah, and, yeah, so basically his throat starts to swell up, and he's acting. I think they describe it as feral. Yeah, you know, he's just acting more like an animal. And basically, what happens is she drains the fluid from his throat, and it seems to cure him. So it's basically teaching her that if you remove the infected, uh, what would you call it, tissue cells? Yeah, yeah the infected. Uh, the um, yeah. Tissues of a good yeah, one. Okay. Yeah. So if you remove the infective bits, then they can get better. I yeah. mean, that's what it seems like. Okay. So at this point, they make their way back to the bridge and our characters sort of inadvertently all run into each other. Right. Okay. So 
they all end up, I don't think there's anything major that happens other than they well, all start to realize sort of what's going on well, all at the say, same time. We start kind of going through just a series of like spills and chills as we basically start yeah. having them have this adventure with their main goal is to like make sure that they all stay safe and as uninfected as possible yeah. and escape from the dead. Because at this point, we start realizing that the people have died from this. They're not all the way dead. Yeah. So there's a scene with Dr. Cody where she returns to the medical lab with Han and Chewie while Trig and Kale are making their way to another escape pod. Basically, they assume, okay, there's got to be an escape pod at the other end. And they make their way there. When Cody and Han and Chewie get to the lab, Mm -hmm. they find the remains of the medical droid there. And while his vocabulator is not working perfectly, he basically manages to say they all woke up. Which is in a good creepy way. I like that. Yeah, it it plays out well. I mean, they definitely do a good job of setting the scene. Yeah. So at this point, we know something weird is happening. Mm -hmm. And Kale and Trig have their first encounter with the dead. Basically, uh, there was a dead person in the escape pod. Mm-hmm. It chases them around. They manage to hide in a wall and get away from it. But essentially, now we know what's happening. We know that the infected have died and now come back. And they're effective, I think is how I would yeah. describe it. They're fast. They work together. They hunt in a pack. Um, I think they're a little overpowered, but we'll, we'll talk about th- that in a minute. There's zombies in that, like... They're zombies in the sense that they're sort of reanimated dead, mm-hmm. um, even though it's implied that they didn't really necessarily die. The, the virus, the, the thing is keeping them functional, like wearing them like a suit. Yes, yes. Their personality is not there. Correct. They, they are gone. They but are they're, mindless. But they're they definitely are... modern, like, again, fast zombies. Yeah. They, they're, you know, they don't have to worry about tearing their muscles. They don't have to worry about all that. So they move fast and mm-hmm. they move hard and mm-hmm. they are very feral things yeah like a wave just like a like a death wave they're coming at you so all of our characters make it back to the bridge and this is where they get stuck so they seal the hatch but they can see now on the life scanning equipment that recalibrating it Mm -hmm. they are seeing tons of life forms now thousands upon thousands appear because the dead are coming back like you said yep and they're moving like a wave through the ship just one hallway after another working their way up up and up and up knowing that they're coming for our characters here yeah because they're the only living things left on the ship Mm -hmm. so their only option is to escape up the tube connected to the star destroyer where all of this started Yep. So they make their way up to the hangar, but unfortunately, as they're getting off the bridge, the, uh, shall we say, zombified version of Kale and Trigg's father bites Kale on the leg. Yep. So they make their way up to the bridge. They do their best. That's a heartbreaking scene because Kale basically just wants to run up and hug his father and too late realizes that ain't your dad. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't go so well for him. And, you know, it's interesting because. Kale is described as being the one who's hungry for adventure and Trig is the laid back one. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the they make a big opening point in the first few chapters to say that Trig's father tells him that, oh, you know, take care of your older brother. And Trig found that so weird because he believes his older brother is the strong, the confident one. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he goes, oh, it must have been a mistake. He must have thought I was Kale. Yeah. But in this moment... 
Trig being scared and smart runs and flees and Kale doesn't and he gets bit. Now he's not out of the fray here. He gets basically pulled up the tube along with them and for now they're okay. They're on the they're in the bay, the landing bay of the Star Destroyer and they decide that okay, because Kale can't move, the doctor will stay there with him while Han, Chewie and Trig go look for uh the ability to basically get the controls up and running. I mean, that's yeah, what they're trying to, control to do. The ships yeah, so they're they trying to see if they can essentially fly the Star Destroyer. Yep. Okay. Now, while this is happening, uh, the doctor comes to a realization that a tractor beam is turned on and... On the ship. Yep. Yeah, there have been ships being pulled in mm-hmm. to the hangar bay, sort of inadvertently. Right. Now, lots of stuff happens uh, between here and the end of the book, but since we've gone to kind of the middle now, Mac, anything you want to add at the moment? Well, I mean, the biggest thing about it is the one thing I really do enjoy uh, or remember enjoying about the book is my favorite kind of horror is this, which is the paranoia fueled um, locked room kind of thing. I love the fact they're on these two ships out in the middle of nowhere and that there is no escape. There is no way where to go. There is nowhere to like it's constantly going from the we're trapped in here. How what options do we have? Escape pods. That didn't work out. The other escape pod didn't work out. All right, go from the hangar up to the other Star Destroyer. And, oh, no, they're going to be coming through here, too. Like, mm-hmm. like I just like that a lot because, to me, I think the most interesting horror is the one where it's not like us trying to remember, oh, well, the cell phone didn't work in the woods or, you know, you you can't escape the villain because they run so fast. Like, are all these artificial borders i like when you have a space that you literally just cannot leave for one reason or another so i love things like um the alien movie uh and aliens where there's just there's nowhere to run to i like um the thing is my favorite horror movie of all time and that ice station kind of thing is great um i've enjoyed thrillers like sphere which is in you know and the abyss which is all in like a marine mm-hmm. uh prison like just the idea of these sealed environments and especially i think the one thing i do remember being effective about the book is the mood is set really really well again the overall payoffs of some of the stuff is not great but like the mood the way that he uses his words to make everything just visceral and disgusting and uncomfortable is i thought very effective I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's good. That's really good. That's fine. So. Well, again, if you have if you have 10 years, it might soften your opinion of how good or bad it was. Okay, fair enough. I'll, we'll revisit this. Okay. 10 years. Set a reminder, huh? Okay. Yeah. So we have Han, Chewie, and Trig. And basically, uh, they set off on an adventure. I want to kind of, we'll do that separate well, in a second. Okay. But let's talk about Cody and Kale because we have kind of a, a big moment coming up here. Yes. So um, they're left with the blaster. They only have one blaster at this point, I think. And uh, Sounds right. Sorry, they're left with one and Han and Chewie take one. So basically they're splitting up their arms, splitting up their party. Yes. Eventually, the dead start to make their way through. And one of the things that's happening now is they're screaming. Yeah. And you're hearing this sort of rhythmic scream like a conversation mm-hmm. back and forth. So you can hear one end coming out of the tube from the purge. Yep. And the other end coming from somewhere off in the ship. Somewhere in the vector is also yeah. more of these. Yeah. So uh, as the 
dead <laughs> start yeah. to break through. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. I forgot one important, very important thing here. Okay. Very important plot point here that I almost skimmed over. The infection in Kale's leg starts to spread. Oh, yeah. As I say, I remember that part. I couldn't remember where it happens. Yeah, it so happens she, here so, on the bridge. So yeah. basically, uh, as she rolls up his pant leg, she sees that there's this gray mass slithering up his leg. Kind of like, you know, tendrils creeping up, trying to grab onto him and take control. And as this sort of, you know, shadow moves underneath his skin, she yeah. takes a knife and she cuts and she drags, she digs in kind of in his lower abdomen and pulls out this sort of gray goo and mm-hmm. throws it aside. And it sort of writhes and squirms and, uh, you know, as if it's alive. Yep. And it seems to stop the spread of the infection. Now, Kale passed out from basically having a hand shoved into his open stomach. Weird. Uh, yeah. But basically at this same point, the dead start breaking through. Mm-hmm. And as... They're coming through and she's shooting them, you know, because first the opening isn't big. They've literally broken through the metal. It's not that they broke the seal. So they've broken through and they're coming through and she's shooting them as they do. And then she realizes they're shooting back. Yes. And this is where my kind of um, uh, enjoyment of the book started to go downhill a little bit. Okay. So not only are these zombies fast, not only does the disease kill everyone, but they start to learn. Yes. And so they develop the ability at first to just shoot blasters very haphazardly. You know, they're squeezing the trigger, but they're hitting the floor and they're shooting totally far right. Right. And, you know, uh, I mean, it's not great. They're not hitting their target. But what they so I mean, I I, I, I think this comes later in the book. But basically what you find out is what's causing them to have this is they're essentially learning machines. Basically, they are not intelligent. But when they make a mistake, they learn from it. Yeah. And as you repeat and repeat and repeat that, like you said, they start getting more and more sapient. They get more and more functionally intelligent, even yes. though it's still a very stimulus response. Like they still have a lot of opportunities as they go through this to kind of like get one over on them because they're still relatively stupid. They're just learning. Yes, absolutely. But one of them, as Cody is dragging Kale across the bridge, gets off a lucky shot and blows off half of Kale's face. Yes. So, not great. Doesn't live without half his face. No, and and again, after all the work we just did where we're like, oh, God, thank God, we just saved Kale. I knew this uh, brother couldn't die. Nope. Blaster bolt to the face. So, Cody leaves to the body and runs. Right? Makes sense. You know, he hit half his head's gone. He's not left in there. It's gross. Yeah. Um, So she makes her way to a lab where she realizes they were doing experiments on these things Mm -hmm. and essentially trying to use them as organic ways to grow more of this virus. Yep. And that explains some of the creepy stuff we saw earlier, which was like some 80 cases full of human lungs and some of the other (laughs) gross stuff they describe on the vector earlier in the book. Yeah. So... Uh, she has a little bit of a scare. She encounters some of the dead. And meanwhile, Han, Chewie, and Trig are sort of stuck. There is this walkway over a dark, deep pit. And Han and Chewie go through because they know the bridge is on the other side. Uh, Trig decides he can't do it. He's afraid. He stays behind. Yep. Uh, Han and Chewie make their way to the bridge where they're attacked by a family of Wookiees. Although the Wookiees do not seem to be... 
Well, no, I guess they're infected because they do talk about their throats bulging. But you can tell that Wookiee physiology obviously takes this differently than humans. Yes, it doesn't affect them in the same way. And this small child Wookiee uh, mm-hmm. tricks Han and Chewie to open up this uh, locked area that yeah. lets out two adult Wookiees and they're attacked. And unfortunately, they have to kill them. Yep. And you can tell that it definitely is meant to affect Chewbacca. Yeah. And, he, you know, he has a rough go after that. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Trig encounters who he believes to be his brother. He sees him walking into another room. So he follows him in. And when he opens it up, there is a what is described as a mass of body parts, sort of a coagulation of just what I just I mean, what I envisioned a is basically a rest. Yeah. So like. In my mind, I envisioned a wrath tar of human body parts. Yeah. Just kind of like this big blubbering mass of an arm here, an elbow there, just a this, shoulder there. You know, just, just big pile of gore. Yeah. It doesn't sound great. And around from the side of the pile, as you know, Trig is trying to make sense of this, his brother, his dead brother, Kale, comes walking around and he realized what's happened. And in fright, he has to climb up this mush pile. To a vent in the ceiling for some reason because he can't find the door. He's so disoriented by what's happening, he can't find the door. Which, at first, I was like, huh? But then I was like, well, it's a Star Destroyer. It's all gray. I could see that. And again, it's supposed to make it so you have this uncomfortable journey with Trig as he's he's going up the gore nest. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. So he gets to the top. And uh, his brother follows him through. The dead are coming up. And he basically finds himself hanging out of the air duct above this big bottomless pit he was too afraid to cross earlier. And as he gets to a point where he feels like he can't hold on any longer, he lets go. He's falling down the pit. Han and Chewie see him there, but there's nothing they can do. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, a speeder comes out of nowhere and catches him in the air. And it is our friendly neighborhood prison guard murderer, uh, Sartoris, uh, back to save him. It turns out that after he took the escape pod, the tractor beam that was turned on in the Star Destroyer caught him, brought him into the hangar. He crashed. He became unconscious until the plot dictated he wasn't. Well, real quick, did he? Um, I was to say so. It, so I remember those events more of when they happened. So yeah. I guess the book doesn't you say literally that literally for repeat- like a, a third of the book. Just think he's gone. Well, like, yeah, he's gone by the end of the first. But little bit but is that his first intonation of coming back is when the speeder shows up no he has one chapter before say, that where he, the one with you like, do see him waking up in the pod so yeah, it's cause not he like because sa- he weirdly saved someone white i think his name was yeah so that's a good point when he wakes up he gets out of the pod he makes his way this is actually later what you're describing see that's what i think see, i remember the story yeah. how as it and because i remember yes he he basically escapes but he didn't escape because the Star Destroyer picks up his escape pod, pulls it back in. Yeah. He starts to deal with all these dead. Yeah. So basically, he meets a uh, group of Imperial cannibals. Yeah. Who had been trapped inside of a shuttle. So think like the shuttle Tiderium from episode six. Basically trapped in one of those for, I think, like four months, they say. And they've been, or 10 weeks, I don't know. I it's, don't, a re- it's ever since the disaster oh, on the Star Destroyer. Happened. I have it right here, 10 weeks. See, this is why I can't put down my notes, Mac. No, don't put down your notes. Ten, so 10 weeks. And basically, these are the characters who, through exposition, tell Sartorus that these things learn. Yeah. Right? And it's about this point when they start slamming their way into the side of the hall. Now, the guards tell them, don't worry, you know, they'll go away for a while. After, after a minute, after they realize they can't get in, they'll go away. 
And then these Imperial cannibals try to eat Sartorius. He kills a couple. The few yeah. that are left, he makes a deal with saying, hey, you wait here. I'm going to turn the tractor beam off. Get ready to fly this thing out of here. That's right. basically his plan. He comes across the speeder, and then that's where he conveniently catches Trig, who's falling. Right. So at this point, Han and Chewie hop on. They realize there's too much weight. And as they're trying to take off, there's this big open pit below them. Well, it turns out all of the crew of the Star Destroyer have turned into one of those blubbering masses of body parts. Yep. And they're all down there. Yep. So it's basically a like, think of like a snake nest. You know, if you've ever seen that. Um can't remember if yeah, it's in the yeah. second or third straight to DVD sequel of Anaconda, where there's all those <laughs> like CGI, like 50 foot, 10 feet around snakes. Yeah, it's just this, like, it's you know, writhing, writhing yeah. pile. Because yeah. again, what it is, it's the infected cells are trying to group together. Remembering that again, yes. the gore, the bodies, the people are yeah. just vehicles to get these cells closer together and yeah. incubate them. It's silly. So, uh, <laughs> So we have, sorry, there are things I like about it. It's Star Wars. It's fine. Um, So you have this, this mass of people and Sartorius for some reason decides he's going to redeem himself and say, here, kid, you fly. And he jumps off so they can make weight. uh, And he falls into the pit. And it feels very undeserved. It feels very weird. I mean, the last time we saw him, he was saying, nope, you kids stay here. There's not room for you. I'm going off on my own. He has one experience with cannibals. Well, I think it's the cannibals and the dead. Because remember, yeah. when Satoris disappears, it's because everyone's infected. He doesn't yeah. know it's going to lead to these zombie creatures. Yeah. And I think from what I remember, and again, 10 years ago, was it was sort of like it wasn't so much that he had a face turn that he was suddenly a good guy. It was just more the fact of like, it's like, I was okay leaving you on a derelict ship to get infected. Yeah. I don't want you to be eaten alive. Now, to be fair, he was bitten. Yes. He was bitten. And I think that is, I guess, worth mentioning. That's his reasoning is he's dead anyway, he feels. He's trying to but, give himself. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I remember is he's he's trying to give himself yeah. a little bit of saving grace at the end of his life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so the whole thing about it is after all of this, the, we'll just cut to the chase. They get to the shuttle and they are able to escape the vector. Well, hold on one second. How hold much on. more there's do you want to fill one, in? Okay. There's, there's a couple more things that I think that I think are worth mentioning. So, <clears throat> uh, oh, uh, at some point, the dead or miss attacks Trig and it they fall. Um, you know, it's fine. Well, they, they, um, again, they bring so, the, the puppet body of Ormus back up yeah. to make it again. Oh, it's not just a zombie. It's that zombie. Yeah, that one. And they're the ones who fall out of the pit together. Trig and Ormus. They're fallen. Sartorius catches them. Um, meanwhile, the zombies have learned how to shoot X-Wing cannons and are... Uh, well, they learned that from Sartorius used that earlier. I think Cody, maybe. Was it it? Cody? I don't know. Someone got in an X-Wing and fired the cannons in the hangar, yeah, just like someone, you saw in like episode one. Yeah, it was Sartorius, because he basically, he gets out of his pod, he's trapped. Now I'm starting to remember. 
That's he gets fun. out of his pod. I read the last like hundred pages in one you, sitting. You're so all fun. I, I just remember that it. because that's how they explain yeah. how they figure out. Yeah, and the that's the thing. Games. They are they learning. It. They do set that up. I mean, it is justified. But basically, Sartorius gets in. He uses the cannons to blow away some of the dead. Yep. As they make their way into the X-Wing, they're scratching at him. You know, they get up on its X-Foils and he jumps off into a hatch on the top of the shuttle. That's how he meets this Imperial team. Right, right. So the Imperial team then starts or uh, starts to get blasted by these X-Wings. And Cody, meanwhile, is up in the observation deck trying to see if she can turn off the tractor beam from there. Right. And she realizes it has already been turned off. Now, I don't remember who actually turns it off. So someone must have. Yeah. But basically, she finds out it's already disabled. Um, from what we understand, the uh, the dead shoot, uh, use an X-wing to blow up the bridge. And Cody is trapped under a pile of rubble and believed dead. Yeah. Uh, Han and Chewie and Trig find her when they get back to the hangar, but they see a hand sticking out of the rubble. They believe it's her. Mm -hmm. They make their way to the shuttle. They realize that the person that uh, Sartorius had made the deal with had been killed, but there are a couple of other Imperial pilots there and they uh, get onto the shuttle and attempt to escape. Once they escape the hangar, they realize that uh, one last zombie has made its way onto the ship. Yep. Uh, Han can't find his weapon. He lost it in the pandemonium of trying to take off and not get uh, blasted out of the sky by their ships. And basically, uh, it kills the remaining Imperial cannibals who were left on the ship. And then, oh, surprise, Cody is alive. And she is able to kill the last remaining zombie. So we have Trig, Han, Chewie. And the doctor escaping in the shuttle. And this is one thing I kind of liked at the end here. Um, they describe that the ships have also taken off from the hangar, packed to the brim. So imagine like a TIE fighter and there are just like six zombies pressed, pressed up against the glass. It. Like as much as can possibly fit. And some might be in stormtrooper armor and some of them might be, you know, Imperial uh, guards or, uh, you know, officers or, you know, whatever it might be. You have prison inmates and they're just shoved in there. Um, like, oh, I don't even know. Uh, and Gross. as they get farther away from the ship, they're realizing as they lose connection to the mass. Yep. They, they, they stop functioning. They're a hive mind. Yes. And the further the cells get away from each other, the less function. Yeah. They are. And so they basically tie it up with a neat bow that this can't affect anything farther because it's basically unstoppable, even with the antidote, because these things are so smart. They don't have to bite you and infect you. They can just learn how to take over the world in a matter of minutes but they're stranded on these two ships out of the yeah they're not getting right. anywhere and so it is nice they they describe these star fighters that are just packed to the gills just kind of floating and bumping into each other and exploding and just very haphazard, haphazard. yeah 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 <laughs> And they uh, all get to a planet. Han and Chewie basically need to go get the Falcons. So yeah, so the Falcons impounded somewhere. So they sell the shuttle. They take their half of the profit profits. And uh, uh, Trig and Cody so, are basically yeah. like, well, hey, we're just going to explore and be happy and see the galaxy together as some weird surrogate mother thing, I guess. Well, it's just basically uh, they've been through this ordeal. They're yeah. kind of bonded to each other. And so they sort of settle yeah. into a life with each other. Yeah. And uh, uh, early, early on, Cody comes across a dying guard on the bridge and takes a note out of oh, his yeah, pocket. I and the last chapter is them delivering it to his widow. It's, you know, it happens. It's just it's supposed to be just be yeah. an, an emotional connector. 
Um, yeah. Two things I, I think we didn't mention out of the synopsis is uh, the tragedy was turned off by White, who's this character that Centaurus saved way earlier. And I remember that because there's just the line of, well, why did he like save the doctor and turn the tractor beam off? He's like, well, a stranger saved me, so I saved a stranger. Oh, yeah, that is a good line. And that's what happened. That's the person Sartorus made the deal with. He went and saved yeah. White. That was the hand they saw sticking out of the rubble. Yep. And, and so like it's a nice little beat. And the other thing we also did mention is uh, we find the Imperial weapons this black wing because at one point, I yeah. think the doctor gets one of them, is trying to cure them, and it gets a little more sentient but then she realizes the cure is not gonna work and he like writes in the ground black wing <laughs> and that's how we find out oh that's the name yeah. of this weapon this so, bio weapon yeah it's a bio weapon it's a disease engineered to take over a planet and just destroy it yeah I just mean, have that's... them consume everything and consume yeah. everyone yeah so i know you didn't like it <laughs> you could i could tell also when you just go like nah these zombies i don't like them like well, here's smart, all right. So here's the thing. This just isn't for me. It's fair, not that fair. it's not good. It's not that. Um, it's not that I even necessarily don't like it. It's just not enjoyable to me. I feel like I'm over zombies. I've been over zombies for a long time. There's yeah. just that we oh, got buckle up. They're not going anywhere. We got bombarded <laughs> by zombies for too long since the '60s. Well, yeah, but like recently, it's. Well, I remember it's, in the '90s having a conversation yeah. of all the remakes of like the yeah. of the dead movies, and like we're probably gonna get over this. And then I remember like 28 Days and stuff, and being in the 2000s saying, "Oh, we're gonna be over this." And then getting to the 2010s, like, "Are we ever gonna get over this?" <laughs> and the answer is no. As long as, quick yeah. theory from Mac that has almost unrelated this, zombies will always be will be relevant as long as we have the internet, because zombies represent a an existential crisis that humanity is going through right now. I'm an individual in a sea of the 7 billion rest of you. And I can't help but think I'm special and I have my humanity and I have my personality and all these other people and competing for jobs, for social media attention, for all of that. They're the other. And I think that's what zombies, why they're so evergreen these days is we're constantly surrounded by people on all fronts thanks to the internet. And it's very easy to try and dehumanize them and focus on a group of survivors who are still people struggling to keep their individuality in a sea of just masses. And I think that's why this is so interesting. Now, I will say context. 2009, I think the reason I really dug this book was I was on a particularly good high of this kind of storytelling. So, like, the problems you had with the Blackwing, this... this mm -hmm grayish goop that has a semi-sentience when it has a hive mind and it's using bodies to kind of yeah. build its own own stuff this is a year after i played one of my favorite horror games ever which is dead space yeah. and their main villains are the necromorphs and it's the exact same idea there's this object that is reanimating flesh and the and the whatever force is reanimate i'm not going to get into it but whatever force well, is reanimating them is is repurposing these bodies as weapons. And when you blast yeah. the limbs off of them, they can't walk anymore. It abandons them. So there's one key difference. Yeah. In that type of thing, your character has the ability to fight these zombies. Our characters sure. never really interact with the zombies because they're either hiding or running. In the whole book is just in between opportunities I, for them to run. And I think the only reason I remember having a problem was Han and Chewie being there. Because our doctor character and the two brothers, it's kids and a doctor. 
Yes. Like, it's okay for them to not be ready for action. Yeah. Han and Chewie are not advertised to be in this book. You don't know unless you look it's up spoilers. It's definitely a surprise. It's or definitely a surprise. You're, you're like a third of the way in before they show up. So, like, it's not expected, and it was an interesting surprise. And the thing I like the most about this book is slowly seeing Han have a mental breakdown. Because, <laughs> like, they play yes. it well of, like, by the end, he's just frazzled. Yep. And Han Solo doesn't really get frazzled. Especially back in Legends. Right. Yeah, really. So I like that. Like, genuinely like that. Yeah. I genuinely like I mean the like, atmosphere of the novel. I genuinely like the purge yeah. barge. You know, I genuinely went through and really found some things to enjoy in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I read it because at the end of the day, it's one more book for me to check off my Legends list. <laughs> yes. I've read about half, I would say. Um, I've been working legends, on my Legends yeah. collection, you know. Uh, it's coming along nicely. Um, but most of my reading is novels that came out between, you know, 91 mm -hmm. through oh, about 29, 2009, 2010. Yep. Uh, but almost all of them take place after episode three. Sure. I don't read a lot of prequel novels. So the stuff I was interested in was in this era. Yep. But this was just one, you know, it was right and, at the tail end of what I was reading Star Wars books. And I just don't think it was written for me. And one of the other ambiguous things, you don't ever get an exact idea of when this is. You know what? I should have checked the timeline in but the I front mean, of the book. I didn't bring it down from, here with From what me. I know, it's, it's basically somewhere before, I think it's before episode four. Because I'm pretty sure it's just sort of yeah. like when Han Solo is just a pirate and stuff. And again, that's a very different time now. It, than it was in 2009 as yeah. far as what exists in that world now. That's very true. Um, but I guess the whole thing about it is like I recall enjoying it. And I think mostly I don't recall that that the story. I remember the I remember the chapter names. Um, <laughs> and then the biggest thing I think I remember is I just thought it was so cool to see this totally different prism. On it absolutely Star is. Wars it of, absolutely is. Because all of the even the zombie-ness of it feels star warsian mm -hmm. like you're talking about like the hive mind and stuff the hive mind feels like you know some dark side like essence is connecting them through like dark side energies like it feels like you could really make this make sense in the language of star wars they don't really yes. spend time doing that but i'm just well that's the i'm thing. thinking of red this Harvest. book is star wars setting but it doesn't have any Star Warsness to it. Uh, yeah, other it, than the setting, it, it's yes. not. A, it's it's not the heroic action of Star Wars. It isn't the beats of Star Wars. It's a very, it a horror writer wrote yeah. a Star Wars book, and it's a horror well, writer made a horror book happen to be set in Star and, Wars. And yes, that's exactly what it is, and that's fine. If that sounds interesting and to you, wrote, I highly recommend this. book. And he wrote seriously. a spiritual sequel called Red Harvest, which we might review next Halloween. I think but, we will. And that so one is that more one a little on the nose of making it because it's Jedi and Sith in that. You know, so Mac asked me if we could do Death Troopers. Well, he said we should do Death Troopers or Red Harvest for our spooky episode. Yeah. And I said, OK, let me read the descriptions. And I am a the force is what makes Star Wars interesting yeah. to me. I am not the ship guy. 
I am not the oh, army guy. Oh, you can just guy. tell me about the umbilical uh-huh. and how a prison yeah. ship works. I was in. So maybe I, I picked. I picked Death Troopers. Maybe I should have picked Red Harvest. But just reading the synopsis, this sounded more interesting. So I'm excited to do Red Harvest next I think Halloween. you'll like Red Harvest more. And we'll we'll check that out in about a year. We will. If we'll see you here. back I here. hope we're still here. I'm not going anywhere. I'll do this by myself. It'll sound a lot worse without you helping, but I'll do it. <laughs> But again, an interesting take on Star Wars. I think that's I think that's the only really value it has today is yeah. do you want to see Star Wars in a different way than you've ever seen it before? And what I love about this book, besides the things I already said, because the things I said, I yeah, really yeah. do like. And, uh, you know, when I say this isn't for me or I don't necessarily like sure. it, I if you like it, great. I'm so happy that you like this book because one of my favorite Star Wars books is now a canon book called Lost Stars, yeah. which is essentially just totally. a romance mm-hmm. set against things we're familiar Romeo with. It's this space. book, yep. but it's a romance and not a horror, and I love it, and I think it's great. And so if someone else is getting that enjoyment out of this, I'm so happy for you. Please keep it up. Let us know. I'd love to know if you really like this book a lot, if this was a book that really connected with you. Yeah. Because uh, I'd love to hear why, because that's what this is all about. Totally. All right, I think I think we can leave that be. Sounds good. Hopefully, it won't rise from the dead. Yeah, you can get a really, really inexpensive Legends copy online. Yeah, that's true. It's really not hard to get. So make it happen. We bring another one home. Wait, what's a, what do you have there? Oh, don't don't mind me. Ooh, I'm just what? crinkling over here. It's a black box. I can see it has Star Wars on it. There's someone's face. I can't make it up from here. I'm a little farther. Oh, man. Oh. I'm already so excited right now. I'm stepping away from my okay, mic. I'm uh, sorry. It's, an action, it's a Black Series action figure. I should be able to figure that out by the side. So I got home from work. Okay. Well, sorry. This morning before I left for work, <laughs> I had a package from Walgreens on my door. And this package contains the Walgreens exclusive six-inch black series clone commander Obi-Wan Kenobi figure. Now, this was a figure that I pre-ordered at full price because I don't mess with exclusives. If it's an exclusive, I get it right away. I don't try and wait and see if it's going to go down (laughs) in price or whatever. You know, it's just like, it's just easier to get it, right? I hear you. It's easier to order one. Now, I am telling you, I am literally taking this out of the package right now, Mac. And I am so excited. It's fresh. For... Two particular reasons. Number one, I just think it's so interesting we're getting characters like this. Well, so I just want to say, I like this a lot because now we're going really outside of, like, mainstream Star Wars. Because (laughs) this is the Obi-Wan figure that has the clone army, um, the clone armor on with, of course, the pieces of the tunic. I think this originally was in the um, Jenny Tartakovsky series, the animated Clone Wars. I think the first time they said, oh, Jedi have armor. Cool. So I want to say two things about this figure that I already love because it's a great figure. And like I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's one of my favorite characters, but that's it. Right. So one, this is a soft goods figure. So it's Obi-Wan in clone-ish armor with um, the brown cape, the brown tunic. But this face, okay, as someone who's collected the Black Series from the beginning, the only other Obi-Wan we have from the prequel era currently, Uh uh, well, actually, now we have two. We have Episode 3 was the first Obi-Wan we got. It was in the second wave, the blue boxes. So we're talking, I think it was figure like 11 or 12, like it was right towards the end. So we're talking 20-ish figures in. So we got an Episode 3 Obi-Wan really, really quickly. And then I'll... um, 
maybe two or three waves ago, we got an episode one Obi-Wan. Okay. And yeah, we got the Alec Guinness in between, but it took a long time to get that episode four Obi. Yeah. So really, you know, we've been kind of lacking Obis, and it's funny because we're opening this, and today uh, they announced an episode two Obi-Wan. Nice. So we're going to be getting another Obi with a great head sculpt. But that's the other thing to point out about this is the head on this compared to the previous Obi-Wan. We posted a comparison earlier on our Twitter uh, mm. earlier okay. today when we're recording this. Um, you won't hear this oh, for a couple no, of days. Oh, no, we're letting you behind the curtain. Yeah, but uh, go check it out. We'll repost it on the day this episode goes live so you can check it out. So that's number one. Number two, Mac, is this is the that's first Black Series ever that has come with a stand. And I am so excited because let me tell you, it is a pain in the butt to try and 3D print stands for these. And even though I haven't tried, I've tried to get you and other friends to do it. We printed a few. Not, we printed a few. It's not easy. Um, they don't always work. They don't. They look fine. But this is great because this well, is that, made by Hasbro. Well, it's a clear beautiful. plastic triangle. It and says like Star it's Wars The Black Series. And I like it's that hold the foot. So mm-hmm. it's not only, it's not like a pe- foot peg. It's actually holding it not only so that it's anchored to the plate, but also so that it can't fall away from the plate. <laughs> this doesn't feel like this is going to stand up, but it doesn't seem to be falling forward. I'm sure top Hasbro engineer. That's that's a cool figure. It is I a like cool that. figure. His well, feet, said, his joints express. are very stiff. I've only ever broken one Black Series figure. I broke my Lando Skiffguard figure. I ripped the arm off, taken out of the packaging. Um, so I need another one of those. So if anybody has like a loose one they want to sell for cheap, let me know. But I'm just but, very impressed. Again, that face sculpt is like, it's not Hot Toys yet, but it's eerily good. Especially for twenty two ninety five or whatever these things cost. Yeah, that's, um, speaking of 3D printing, I think that's how they're making those. Look. It is. It is. They've, they've come out and said that. Do, yeah. do you like the soft like fabric? Uh when you open them yes inbox no and i open okay. everything okay. so yes yeah, yeah, okay but if you were an inbox collector i could definitely see it not being your thing i think when i was a little kid like am i, I even I, speaking into my microphone can you hear me as i'm playing there. with my i know new toy? you're playing with your new toy okay <laughs> you're playing with your new toy you're, you're there most of the time i mean the thing about it that i think is interesting is i i don't know i just i don't like cloth i don't know. like I, if that was molded plastic i'd be like maybe i'll get that figure but because also because like available. oh oh you Troops and Jedi in one package? That sounds great. <laughs> I mean, that is what this is. I love that we're... I mean, this is going to go on my Legend slash EU shelf yep. next to my Dr. Afra and my... Uh, I mean, I guess I, I'm Jada not trying Solo to do... I'm and... not... Yeah, I'm not doing a disservice by describing some of this stuff as Legends. Legends slash animated is what my, this shelf this will go well, on. Well, extended. It's yeah. called extended. Because so, Dr. Afra is canon, so... Yeah, totally, totally. Which also, it's, if you yeah, don't know Dr. Afro, about she's a... quality, she's, it's just the stories they've been in. This she's is, a droid scientist yeah. that features heavily in the Marvel comics. Very so, popular new character. She's cool. Yeah. So, let's get a picture here of little little Obi-Wan. Mac will get you in the background there. We'll share this one, too. Perfect. I mean, this figure's great. Um, it's beautiful. If you have a chance to get one and you like Obi-Wan, I, I would highly recommend it. So, I just want to say, I, I think this is great. I, I don't know if unboxings work in audio. Did you hear? I can get the plastic back. I can crinkle more. Hold, please. Yeah. Was that better for you? Uh, no, um, we're good. Uh, <laughs> you can turn no, that down, right? Tr- trust me. <laughs> it's a good looking figure. And yeah. um, I'm glad you were here. 
Um, and I think it's also kind of cool because it's an Obi Wan, and we just talked a lot about Obi Wan. We did, we did. So uh, you know, I just couldn't wait anymore to. We're not going to get into toy unboxing. I just couldn't wait anymore to unbox it. So that's we fine. Thought this it's not exactly right a part of our spooktacular that we just had, but um, <laughs> you know, he he. That's a good looking figure. That's a really good looking that figure. Stand, this, I am jealous of that stand. I, I was so excited about the face, but I'm more excited about the fact that this came with a stand. And if they would get, I would pay a dollar more per figure for this tiny piece of plastic to get a stand with or each just, of them. Or just from Hasbro directly. Can I buy like 50 of those? Oh my God, Hasbro. If I could buy a bunch of these, why didn't they pack these in with Zuvio? So I could have gotten them for like $3 well, I guess a piece. my thing is I see them as an extra because I know. I think you're in a minority. I think most collectors keep them in the box. So I kind of understand why they wouldn't package them with them. But, like, there's enough of you. <laughs> yeah, just sell them. Like, I will give you money for them. Let me buy a bunch because if this is fantastic. If you've got a good lead on any of these, because mm-hmm. I, I will say that is better than the 3D printing experiments we made. Only because, again, I hated the fact that ours were based on foot pegs. Yeah. Because foot pegs are only good if the foot peg is really good tolerance and fits really tightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like... I mean, it helps with like IG88 because, like, gosh, he's hardy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a great figure. I love it. Uh, that wraps up our first toy review here on Star Wars All. I hope you enjoyed that here mm-hmm. in the the miscellaneous section at the yeah. end of our show. Well, I was gonna say I had a lot of fun. We we did our first book review. We did our first, yeah. um, you know, toy unboxing. <laughs> Uh, we it's went very, uh, real deep on the spirituality of Force Ghosts. I think this is a solid app. I really had fun talking about Force Ghosts. Me too, man. And I can't wait to get to. Re- I, I we mentioned that I think I think we mentioned it, but like just to let you know, uh, as we get close um, in time right now, the the new trailer is out, which I have refused to watch. I'm not going to watch any more market material. I want to go into into Rise of Skywalker as blank slate as possible at this point. Um, which is going to be hard to get through the next month. Um, but we're planning on doing um, two specials on either side of it. We're going to have kind yeah. of our last predictions, which will be hilariously wrong only 24 uh-huh. hours later when we start telling, seeing what we actually react to mm-hmm. in Rise of the Sky, uh, Rise of Skywalker. I keep wanting to want the in there. The ri- there is a the. It's just it's at the, the beginning. Yeah, the the rise. rise of Skywalker. I, yeah. I I'll get there. I mean, it's well, all I hope new. So yeah. it's, it's it's all new. Yeah. Um, but we will definitely be trying to produce two specials to yeah. kind of do that. But they will be outside of our normal continuum. Yeah, We're we will have... still have a regular episode launching the week of the Force. Up, uh, sorry, the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you're good. We will still have our normal episode launching that Wednesday, which is the. 19th 18th 17th I mean, don't get too much yeah. we will let you know multiple yeah. times in the sections we get closer we will, to yeah we, but will, we just want to let you know mm-hmm. that there will be special content around yeah. rise of skywalker and if we're really spry which i don't know if we will we we might talk about mandalorian but we may wait until the entire season's out to get I into that i think we'll we'll see we'll we'll talk about it we'll as see it goes. how much we'll see Mac how likes it and da- how much he can't control talking about it <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what we'll do. So we'll have some specials coming your way. We have a lot of fun things planned for the new year, too. So we're getting close. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a totally different world after we see this movie out there. Oh, my gosh. And uh, maybe we started. We're like, we'll timestamp this. We'll say this stuff. Like, we really wanted to avoid (laughs) Rise of the Skywalker. But holy moly, is it just like the black Mm -hmm. hole that sucks all of our topics in? Because Uh it's so important to get the finale to the sequel trilogy to know what the whole thing is yeah. to put it in proper context yeah. with all, all the other things of star Wars. It's going to be nice to have all of these topics that we'll be able to be say are complete now and we can truly talk about them. Yeah. Um, 
and I know that they won't really be complete, but it'll be a nice break to where we can really cover some awesome stuff. I have some really fun ideas for the sequel trilogy that I've been holding off on until we get this final piece. And let's just say I am ready to talk about the evolution of Ray's outfits. I am stoked, but I want to wait and see. What, it, what what pieces what, we get yeah. beyond the trailer material. Yeah, exactly. You. So like as soon as we'd have that, I can't wait to do that as a topic. Uh, I've got uh, I think we've got some cool stuff planned. Now, one thing I want to say is right uh, as right now, it seems like our most active platform that people are reaching out to us is our Twitter account. Yes. And we're very happy with the slow and, and steady growth we've been getting there. Um, Facebook is one of the places we've we, we tried to plant a flag. We haven't had a whole lot of response there. Um, if you are connected with us and you're listening regularly, please reach out to us about what your preferred platforms are. You mm-hmm. know, where, where can we find you? Because again, yes. we want to build this and yes. we just kind of use the tools we're familiar with mm-hmm. or the tools we thought were the best, but like, you know, is it better to have a Reddit? Should we start a discord? Like, mm-hmm. where are you folks out there? where we can have the best discussion possible because yeah. that's what we want. We want to get yeah. there with you. And the reason we're bringing this up is I want to give a quick shout out to uh, uh, Conversations, another Star Wars podcast, yeah. who we just had a really brief interaction with on Twitter, but we've talked to them uh, once or twice before as well, just kind of in passing. And, you know, we, we they were they were giving us some feedback on our Lando's Falcon segment from last episode. Mm. Uh, and if you haven't heard that, you know, episode 12, go check it out. It's pretty good. It's a little bit of a lighter episode compared to some of our other ones, but it's fun. I, and I, I like that about this show. But basically... They said we we mentioned how, you know, Han is hitting the Falcon and Empire yeah. to get it to start up. And they and, you know, we talked about, oh, the, the spirit of the ship, the ship being a character that's really interesting. Yeah. And they brought up just like L3 hits her own head in solo. And that's something we didn't mention. And when yeah. they when you know, when they said that, Mac and I were actually oh, together. That makes so much more sad. Yeah, and we both yeah. like we were staring at each other, like, how did we not catch that? Yeah. And the answer is because I didn't watch solo and I should have. Well, uh, <laughs> right before right before we recorded. Because you, you didn't know. get your monthly viewing in. So, <sighs> listen. Sometimes my research is too extensive. Sometimes it's, it's not extensive enough. I can't right. seem to Goldilocks it, but we'll get there. But again, I, I, I it, that's the kind of stuff that like really lights us up. Of like, oh my gosh, they yes. saw this thing we didn't see, and man, yes. we want more of that. We yes. want to be part of that because. Yeah we've already been hearing some good feedback from people who enjoy this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll be straight up that it's been overwhelming for me of like, I just do this like weird little podcast about star Wars and you mm-hmm. guys seem to really like it. Like, yeah, I'm not really into star Wars, but you, the way you guys talk about it is just so engaging. I'm like, yeah. Thank you. I have nothing more to say because I yeah. find that so overwhelming that yeah. people want to hear me yeah. and my good friend yak yeah. about Star and, Wars for a couple hours we, every week. We knew going in that we would meet a couple of Star Wars fans who would probably yeah. enjoy what we're doing. And we knew that some of our friends would support us and listen. But what we didn't expect was to have some of those people become passionate about it with us and have them become more interested in star wars you know um about a half dozen episodes on ago episode seven we had tavon on who was a new fan to star wars and you know having him on uh that was very enlightening for us for sure and we've had other people approach us since about similar things and you know oh oh, i remember from when i was a kid metachlorians did someone pick that up does that come back ever in star wars Mm -hmm. right and these people who are interested in things that they may not know because ultimately there are a lot of star Wars podcasts out there for huge star Wars fans. And of course those are incredibly important to us as fans. Right. Totally. And 
we hope that everyone listening, no matter what your level of Star Wars knowledge is, you can find some enjoyment. And hopefully, yeah. ultimately, it gets you in the mood to go watch a Star Wars movie or read a Star Wars book or play a Star Wars game. For me, that's the ultimate goal after yeah. making more Star Wars friends, which is truly the goal. That is the secret goal. Beautiful. So again, c- come find us. Let us know where you are. Mm-hmm. Connect with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if Twitter probably seems like yeah. the easiest way to reach. Search Star Wars All In on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's easy to find. And we, we will be there. We want to connect with you. And and I'm so excited to see where this goes because it's gone a long way so far. Yeah, we're having a great time. Right, Mac? Absolutely. All right, let's go to bed, huh? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. time. Yeah. All right, friends, have a great, great week. We'll see you next Wednesday on another episode of Star Wars All In. And yeah. until then, may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Burvis III, Ross Grieco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.